This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Bailog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're being pursued by the cops and harassed by the media. The media. Mm. As we mm. watch Spine 177 in the Criterion Collection, Volker Schlondorf and Marguerite mm. von Trotta, The nice. Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom from 1975. Nice. But first, RJ, mm? are you feeling agitated? Are you feeling like you need to fuck shit up? Uh, you want to start a fucking riot? I don't really know where this hostility is coming from. <laughs> it's hot out there. Oh, it's, it's, it's well, middle, did you know that July people start getting real antsy? Well, you know, that increasing temperatures does correlate with uh, increased crime, but it also correlates with increased ice cream consumption. So, does, so the does real ice question cream is cause crime. Does ice cream cause crime? Exactly. What's your take? Absolutely. I think cheese, I think cheese consumption goes down in the summer, too, Hmm. which is like what about cheesecake? Well, cheesecake is a nice, cool, refreshing summer treat. Hey. And like, cheeseburgers are an all-American staple. I just want to give a shout-out to a friend of mine, no friend of the show, <laughs> Cam, who was making a... Is he hot? Uh, no, he's spherical. Oh. Spherical Cam. Do you think he would appreciate that uh, that um, title that you've just given him? It's he'd, very descriptive. He'd, he'd be fine with it. But uh, mm-hmm. he he made a delicious cheesecake. At his job, and he shared it with uh, my coworker and I, and it was wonderful. One of the at his better, job. One of the, what is his job? He's a baker, for at a, at a catering company, and he's uh he's actually studying to become a professional baker. So he made this at his job. I'm assuming in training with with company materials and yep. supplies. Yeah, where they make did literally he, he pay for hundreds. This? Probably not. Or did he steal it? He probably so made he, he's hundreds. a criminal. So now, friends with now, criminals. now I've outed him, and he's going to lose his job. But yep. the, 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 the cops the day, are going to be looking for spherical but, hey, cam. Yeah, and then and then they're going to be wondering, it's like, man, where do I get this delicious cheesecake? And then he'll have jobs in jail. In yeah, I know what kind of job he's going to get in jail. <laughs> you ever seen Paddington too? No. What? I, I knew that actually. You should though, because that's a prison movie. Is what does Paddington get raped? He goes to prison. Was this an Alan Moore comic? Uh, well, he he goes to prison and he befriends Brendan Gleeson. Uh, what do you think happens from there? Well, that's that tells the whole story, doesn't it? Tells the whole goddamn story. No, I'm not going to commit crimes. And frankly, are you going to eat cheesecake though? Uh, I mean, I've been known to make it from time to time. You know, people are uh, quite envious of my uh, cheesecake technique. I've had many people pry to try to get my uh, strategy. Because, you know, my cheesecake, Jarrett, that shit don't crack. Was uh, Cam's cracked no. in the middle? No. No? Mm. So he's working on similar uh, similar waves as I am. It's, har- it's harder than you think. A lot of cheesecakes crack. But there's a very easy trick. Do you want me to tell you? Hmm. I won't. You just got to leave it in the oven. So you turn the oven off, and then you leave it in the oven for like four hours. So, you, so it's like extra bake time, though. Well, so that's the thing. You so you have that in mind. So you cook it at a lower temperature for longer, <laughs> and then you turn it off, and then the oven will slowly come down. It's a whole process. You wouldn't understand, Jared. It's about poetry, you know, and chemistry. They kind of rhyme. Well, 
thanks for tuning in, folks, to the, I don't know, <clears throat> Baking Bastards um, podcast. Well, it's the Criterion Cakes, Jared. You really fluffed that up. Nah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring the Criterion name into this. Yeah, idiots. More, yeah, like more like Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people are doing on Reddit. But we'll talk uh, about that later. Uh huh. Yeah. RJ, we got emails. Females. And emails. Is that joke old yet? Yep. Is that a good one? It's rotten. Are you laughing, Jarrett? It's still. We just lost still, anyone tuning still, in for the first still, time. Still not there. First All right, off, well, hit me with those emails. I, I just might <laughs> have another drink there, but Chuckles. Well, whatever. Shut up, Jared. First, we got Justin Peterson. Mm-hmm. Friend the, of the show. The creeps recommend butt crack. Whoo. I like how he said the creeps because you were yeah. part of that. Clearly. Yeah, somehow I'm now like complicit in what you say. I uh, I don't know. I, I think, don't, I think I don't, you I don't were feel on. You, you didn't object that. to it. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're no yeah. different from those Nazi soldiers who just said they were just following orders. I'm just a good German. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that later. Hey, Jared and RJ. Mm-hmm. As I sit here on vacation in Tampa, Florida, obsessively Ooh. refreshing the Criterion Collection coming soon page, <laughs> looking for that Spine 1000 announcement, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I decided it was about time to get back to business and email the best podcast around. Wow, there you go. I mean, now, now it's just, I mean, it's, now it's just it's the best, the best but it's also it's also the only podcast. Oh, yeah. Not just Criterion, but... Yeah. It's, so it's, that means it's that's the, also it's like the shortest and longest well, I mean, if you look at it in terms of that, yeah, sure. First off, I wanted to thank Oliver and everyone else who sent me compliments about my appearance on the show. Mm-hmm. To follow up with my challenge from last week about the first episode that fans listened to, mine was The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, which I stumbled upon in the spring of 2018 when looking for analysis on YouTube. I first became aware of the full cast when Jarrett pointed out that his thoughts on Mandy could be heard in the Hoxon episode on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. some reason, it did not occur to me to routinely tune in for the full cast until the Redbeard episode. Last week, the question was asked, what was your first Criterion horror movie? Mine was one of my dad's favorite horror thrillers, The Silence of the Lambs, which I saw long before I knew what Criterion was. The first one I watched uh, once I began routinely watching Criterions was Rosemary's Baby. That's not that long ago. What would you say are the best horror Criterions I should check out ASAP? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, it's nice to hear from front of the show. Uh, oh, there's, there's more. Justin Peterson. Uh, the best Criterion horrors? Shit. I don't know, Jarrett. Eyes Without a Face? Is that mm, one? See, that's the one that, like, I think people like to say that they really, really like. But then... I've never seen it. Yeah. I own it, but I've never seen it. It's fine. You you uh you go figure that out, RJ. You go find, a, about- letter, you find a letterbox list and you sort it by genre into horror. Hey, you know what isn't the best Criterion horror movie, which is actually probably the worst Criterion movie, period? Funny Games by Michael Haneke. Coming soon on Criterion. It's out. Oh, is it out already? I think so. Oh, yeah, it is. And it's in the I, now. I know, uh, actually, one Justin Peterson was showing me his copy. I would have thrown it in the toilet if it was me. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing we got Skype to protect it. So oh. you're going to figure that out. After all the yep. challenging movies RJ threw my way last week, I finally put together my list of all the movies you guys have recommended to me. RJ mentioned a bunch of Mel Gibson picks, and I got a good laugh when uh came up with Forever Young. This was a DVD on my high school girlfriend, now wife, got me as a gift one Easter. 
I recommend nice. looking at the cover and thinking, why the hell did she buy me this random-ass Mel Gibson romance? We did <laughs> enjoy what women want together, so maybe she wanted to watch more of that Gibson charm with me. But regardless, maybe. don't gift a movie to someone that you want to watch with, but they would likely have no interest in buying for themselves. In terms of Mel Gibson movies, I need to get around to watching Gallipoli and Ransom for the first time. Mm. Ooh, well, when you watch Ransom, you got to listen to High, High and, and Low. Low. Yeah, Yeah, baby. So there the, it is. So the creep recommendation I checked out this week was my first trauma movie, Butt Crack. Oh, so like I didn't realize he actually watched Butt Crack. Maybe he's reserving. Uh, maybe he doesn't feel like he can log that film. Some people feel like that film is unloggable, Jared. It's, sh- it's uh, shameful, perhaps. It's a uh, you can take it under uh, unrateable if you if you want. Let's see, you know, let's see what uh what he thought. So okay. I don't see many B movies, but this looked like it was just one step up from being a home movie with his amateur acting and desperate attempts at gross out humor and gore. I think more appalling than the starring ass crack itself was the looks of disgust from the girlfriend in the story and having to keep hearing her say butt crack along with blowing chunks. After becoming overwhelmed by noticing the butt crack character Wade not being able to keep his pants up one too many mm-hmm. times his yep. levels of complete obliviousness when it came to bothering people and singing to himself were off the charts which i hope rj does not find himself relating with too much although it was well... funny to hear that he was too lazy to seek revenge and he had to leave that up to his ass overall mm-hmm. it was pretty dumb but at least i can now say i've been i've seen a so-called movie with this title thanks rj yep. yeah i i mean i I completely endorse that for everyone. Uh, it's an hour long. It's free on YouTube. And then if you, you can go to the water cooler the next day and they'd be like, what'd you do last night? And you'd be like, I watched this movie called Butt Crack. Want to hear about it? And then you can tell them about our podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you can do that with that information, whatever you choose. But uh, I think it's it's a good it's a good movie to have logged. Everyone should watch Butt Crack. Yeah. You got a, a list of horrors there, RJ? I do. So... Here is the the things I found. Uh, the best list on here, or the most um, expansive list, is uh, from a lady named Sarah, and it has two likes, and it has thirty nine films. So this is the biggest Criterion horror, and I sorted by popularity, Jared. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you guess the top five? Top uh, five. Rose One of them was Rosemary's Min- Baby. Number three, yeah. Oh. Mm. There's gonna be oh Night of the Living Dead. Uh, not currently on list. <laughs> what the fuck? That's garbage right off the bat. Okay, here's the top five: Silence of the Lambs, yeah, Mulholland Drive, hmm. Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. Videodrome, yeah, and then Creeps. Not approved film: Night of the Hunter. Then there's stuff like Antichrist, Don't Look Now, Repulsion, Don't Look Now. Uh, all the Guillermo del Toro stuff, Video the drone. David Cronenberg stuff, yeah. uh, the Vanishing, Quite On or Quite Long, as we call it, Haxon. Someone recently it. posted on our YouTube uh, version of the Quite On episode, literally my favorite Japanese movie or Japanese horror movie. And I was like, literally oh. one of the worst movies oh, we've seen. Oh, literally, RJ. Literally. You're, you're better. You're better than that. Literally. Uh, well, I mean, that's fine. They can like that movie. Yeah, it's just they sure long can. and boring. Um, there's other stuff here, too. But you know what I found more striking, Jared? Hmm. Is there's this whole ch- broad, like group of chuckleheads <laughs> that all have the same list under Criterion Horror. And it's uh, R-Criterion's top horror. So it's all these like 
curated by Reddit top, mm-hmm. uh, in the criter- Criterion subreddit's top horror films. Do you want to hear what those are? No. They're they're ranked. <laughs> so I could I can just list you off the for the 10. Go on. The Shining. Yeah. Alien. Wow. Ha- Halloween. Wow. Psycho. Wow. The Thing. Whoa. Texas Chainsaw. Wow. Suspiria. <laughs> Eraserhead. Rosemary's mm-hmm. Baby. And surprisingly at number 10, The Vitch. The mm-hmm. Vavitch yeah. by uh, Robert Eggers. Yep. The Vavitch. I mean, those Hereditary are all movies that people 19. probably have watched or if they haven't, they should watch. But it's like not the most... The Conjuring really, at number thirty, I mean, Jarrett. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's a that's a problem. Yeah. So yeah. Problematic. Yep. Problematic. Finally, uh-huh. Justin asks, could you talk about your decision to tackle the Criterion Collection by going in spine number order? It, it is a great premise since it forces you to watch everything. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yes. not put off the more obscure titles. <laughs> but do you ever regret this approach? Almost would it, instantly. Would it have been easier if you had the freedom to pick whichever spine number you wanted to eat, uh, watch each week? Surely. I definitely salute you guys for being so successful with this challenging approach and was curious to hear you reflect on it. Thanks, Creeps, and have a great episode. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks, Justin. Thanks to hear um, from a friend of the show. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole idea was, I mean, the spine numbers just seem like, yeah, that seems like to be the, the most a logical, logical way to approach do it. of doing it. Because, I mean, if we just jumped around and picked all, like, the best movies that everybody knows about and watches, mm-hmm. it would probably make us more successful and uh, get those YouTube clicks because we're just hitting on all the regular movies. But, no, we don't play that way. Everyone's done that. Everyone does that. So, um, this yeah. this is, like, a challenge as well for us to actually go through it. So we're, we're the people who are, you know, watching the Pepe Lamocos of the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Henry, the five, Henry fives. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's got that Shakespeare rub. Uh, I guess. What would be uh, your next, like lowest, most uh, double suicide, double suicide. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. one, that's one of the least played episodes on the whole. Uh, double suicide. Okay. So I just sorted my so far watched list by popularity yep. and the bottom five. Oh, this doesn't work. Uh, Beastie Boys. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because most people don't yeah. blog it. The All the WC Field shorts. Okay. Let's get yeah. to real movies. Which uh, I believe uh, Jackson just uh, suffered through. <laughs> oh, not. Well, yeah, not great. Not, so uh, Not noteworthy in any way. Other than shorts and music videos, the least popular on Letterboxd is Carl Theodore Dreyer, My Meat Theater. Yeah, that thing, that's like not even, shouldn't even be in the collection. Shouldn't even be in there. And then uh, Variety Lights by Federico Fellini. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's like a co, it's like his first directorial debut, but it's like his co thing. And that movie's like totally skippable. So, I mean, we've watched the, we've watched them all up to this point and we're going to just keep going. So just keep going. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it was like a novel idea of doing it. I mean, I've seen some other, uh, podcasts that never actually exist because we are the only podcast they, that's true. They've done it or attempted to do it, but who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? They're not doing it now. Yeah. And look, I mean, they're not globally successful Mm -hmm. podcasts run by two extremely handsome and, uh, just super physically fit. Transplended human beings. Transplended indeed. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Jarrett uh, conceded the idea and he was like, let's do it like this in order. And uh, I never listened. I I have actually never listened to any other Criterion podcasts, but I did Google it once and uh, I did see that they all hit the major things. And then it seemed like they all just stopped because after like 20 or 30 of doing the movies that they wanted to do, they were like, oh, 
I don't want to watch <laughs> Pepe Lamoco or like, you know what I mean, Jared? Uh, the work, the, the works of Rene Claire. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to watch uh, the number three, most least pop, most least the number three, least popular movie generally Idi Amin Dada, which was a great movie. That movie is not that obscure though. Even that's a pretty, no. I think, I think a noteworthy well, documentary. That's next after variety lights. Interesting. So. These are yeah. these are weird though, because then it's horse's mouth, under the roofs of Paris, yeah. and then fishing with John. Well, that's like a TV thing, and like a lot of Bizarre. people. It's got one of the worst DVD covers of all fishing time. Fishing with John. It's pretty pretty bad. Intentionally, maybe. Inten- probably, but it, it doesn't mean it's not terrible. Yeah. Speaking of DVD covers, we have something to talk about in the actual creep later. Uh oh. Mm, acts of passion, baby. Okay. Yeah, so so right. nice to hear of the friend of the show. Jesus. <laughs> we have more emails, RJ. Do we? How yeah. many? Uh, four. What? All right. So this I'm going to already regret saying because uh, I, get, I get complimented later on about his name being pronounced correctly. And now I'm like, uh, how did I pronounce it the first time? Uh-oh. Uh, Rowan McRob. Rowan? Yeah. Are you saying Rowan or Rohan? Well, it's R-O-H-A-N. So and Rohan. Rowan. Rowan. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, but there's like yeah, W. Yeah, but they, there'd be, be Rohan. It's like I don't. I've no. I can't. Well, remember. I'm not Anyways, talking about the writers so of Rohan. But hey, creeps! I thought uh. I'd partake in the storming of the Criterion Creeps inbox and tell you my first episode I listened to and how I listened to the pod. So mm-hmm. my first ever episode was "Do the Right Thing." I was looking for a discussion on that film on YouTube and saw Criterion Creeps podcast in one of the first results. Nice. I was hooked the moment RJ told of his Batman animated series DVD he was selling and how displeased he was in the buyer using his kid to hammer a better deal out of him. (laughs) Shameful. That was like, I still think about that. Shameful. Yeah, you lost out on what, another like five, ten bucks on that one, on that outing? Well, I'm not going to tell this eight-year-old kid to... Mm -hmm eat shit but i felt like telling the dad that you know i was laughing laughing my ass off and you i found a good show i listen to the pod mostly while driving around and when i'm gardening Mm. perfect anyways my question will be for Jarrett. i see you have logged uh day of the jackal but not rated it i would like to hear your thoughts p.s it's awesome you pronounced my name correctly no one else ever does so sorry if i've now botched it by overthinking this keep the good Mm. stuff coming creeps australia is with you 100 percent See, we're just taking another country. Just globally, fell. It, it just fell. <laughs> a global phenom, Jared. It's like we've uh, taken over Australia, New Zealand, America, Costa Rica, and Puerto Rico. So it's Lithuania. Like we're playing like a perfect game of Axis and Allies. It's just we're we're taking out all the big hitters. Who's yeah. next? Oh, we got South Africa too. Don't forget them. Well, we had them. We've lost mm-hmm. uh, ownership of South Africa. As to the question of uh, my huh. thoughts on Day of the Jackal. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not seen this movie for a very long time. I believe okay. it I, It does uh, currently have a heart by me on Letterboxd because uh, the last time I seen it, I mean? regarded that movie very highly. I think that movie's fantastic, mm-hmm. but I want to rewatch it before, like, you know, putting down that, like, five-star whatever review. But mm-hmm. in, in a complete coincidence, I actually have a copy now of the Arrow Blu-ray of Day of the Jackal coming my very way this very week. So that was strange. So that's well. I mean, maybe he's got some intel. Maybe on you. Maybe. Mm. Speaking of names, I can butcher. Oh, we got George Holschmeyer. Ah, uh, is this uh, our Lithuanian friend? <laughs> yes, straight from Lithuania. 
in nice. Scandinavia, Antarctica. That's, yeah, yeah. With a uh, email entitled "Answering the Call." Ooh, baby. Hi guys. Just my input to add to the statistics. I always listen mm. to the full episode, and I started listening nice. around the Hitchcock triple treat that is notorious Spellbound and Rebecca. Ooh, last creeped over. Yes. Since then, I listened to every new one in about half of the older episodes. First, I was targeting specific episodes of my favorite films, which is what you would do, to hear your take on them. But later on, I would just pick one, hoping to discover a nice surprise. Such was the case with Le Trot. I won't add any questions to this email section of the show, but I would like to add that I think it's admirable that you have been doing this for nearly three years. Yep. With only uh, a very few weeks skipped. Also, yep. Uh, uh-huh. I try to watch the movie every week and only make it about half of the time, and I don't even have to talk about it for two hours. Keep it up, George. Well, it's very nice to hear from George. We haven't heard from him in quite a while. And uh, you know what? It is admirable and also painful for us that I think in three years we've had maybe two weeks off? No, more than that. Maybe we've had like illnesses. We've had some illnesses and some uh, in- inevitable weeks off. But yeah, it's definitely less. It's been than, under five. Yeah, probably probably around, probably around there. But there was a window of time where we would do uh, like two episodes in a week in the early foolish oh, days. The the worst time that either of us ever did anything. We were doing like two episodes a week. That was crazy, Jarrett. Why did you put me through that? Our schedules allowed for it, and we we're like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this." And then my it was schedule like, probably shouldn't nah, have. No, nah, no, nah, it's one. One's plenty. Plenty. Yeah. One sometimes one's too much. It's hard <laughs> to get in one. Next week it's gonna be hard to get in one. Jarrett style. Ugh. <laughs> Wait, that that didn't come out the way it was supposed to. <laughs> Frank Solano. Ooh, there he is. I'm still alive, thanks to you, creeps. Nice. Well. I'd like to start this email by thanking you guys, my broskies, for saving me Baby. last week. Your total butchery of those directors' names made me laugh just enough to keep me alive, and now I'm doing pretty well. So, Classic. advice from my fellow creep listeners: anytime sickness strikes, said uh, send Jared and RJ a list of relatively difficult to pronounce names, and you'll find yourself feeling much better. I mean, I'll, I'll do that even when you're not sick. Yeah. Hit me with it, man. I'll. I'll I'll say whatever names George Les Schlossmeiner Les Sanderson Les Sanderson Yep Is that a real human Yep Director of Royal Tenenbaums What Next I'd like to answer two questions that (gasps) popped up last week To answer RJ's question My first Criterion horror film was Silence of the Lambs I was probably around 16 when I watched it for the first time Maybe a little older to answer Justin's question, I think my first episode was actually Bergman's Cries and Whispers on the Criterion Channel YouTube page. Following mm-hmm. that, I listened to all the episodes with the with films that I knew, uh, The Rock, RoboCop, Sounds of the Lambs. Before I decided to start catching up with the show, that would be around episode 113, The Vanishing. Look at all these mm-hmm. things. I mm-hmm. wouldn't email in until episode 115, Rebecca, where I asked about One Car Why, of course. From there, I, I upgraded to Apple Podcasts, and the rest is history. Baby. Finally, there you go. I have a fun little game I've wanted to see you guys play. Uh oh. It's like Jigsaw. Uh oh. It's called It's the Who Hates This Movie segment with a twist. You'll be reviewing your fans' letterbox accounts. Hmm. Hmm. So if you guys could ever so kindly direct yourselves to our letterbox pages, let's make this easy and start off round one with the three who've been on the show. Oh. Uh, 
I've done. We've already done Justin. I don't want to pick on people. I could do you though, Frank. We'll roast you good. We yeah, know. we can roast. You know what? You can roast one of Frank's accounts, and I'll roast the <laughs> the secondary Frank account. The aim is to find as many reviews and star ratings that you disagree with as possible. Let's see how many of our emails next week turn into rants in defense of our choices. Mm. See, mm. I don't want. I don't know. I don't know about this. I like I like roasting anonymous people that maybe one day they'll come across our show and go, "Oh, hey, that was me." <laughs> and next week we'll move on to some of our other friends' pages. No. Have a good one, creeps. Well, I mean, Jared's spoken. Jared's the boss, right? I'm the boss. Right, Jared? Okay, I'm going to look at Mono Kid because it's got more selected. I'm just going to do, we can just talk about Frank's. Yeah, well. Since just... he uh, brought it up. Frank's one half star review is for The Last Airbender. I haven't seen that, but it uh, shows that he's a nerd for sure. Uh, let's see uh, some of these one star reviews. The Medallion with Jackie Chan. It's a pretty good movie. Don't you think, Jarrett? No. What do you mean, no? No. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Lots of movies with Dolph Lundgren for some reason. I didn't realize uh, Frank watched so many Dolph Lundgren movies. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird find on this one. Uh, let's see. Some other one-star reviews. Are all movies that suck? So that's fair. Uh, let's look at the, <laughs> wow. some more stuff here. Hard hitting. Hard-hitting journalism. Well, he gave Don't Breathe one star. That's a counter to what we had said previously. I could see that movie not holding up very well, though, either. Yeah. Well, what do you think about Bangkok Dangerous, Jarrett? Frank gave it five stars. Ooh. No, he didn't. He gave it one and a half star. But I wanted to see if I could catch you on that one there, Jarrett. And catch you real good there, Jared. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look at that. Two stars for Blade 2, RJ. Whoa. What do you mean two stars for Blade 2? Blade 2 is a four and a half, five star affair every time. I every go, time. I, I wouldn't go to the to the ground on any of these things. These are like fine. <laughs> There's no reviews even. This is ratings. Come on. Well, well, the thing, Jared, I think you really glossed over how – good blade 2 is and i think we should talk about blade 2 we should do blade, do you think blade 2 will be in the criterion one day no oh why jared let us let us finish okay, off okay, yeah we're, we're we're still looking at uh frank's thing here we're uh it's a little harder to navigate yeah this one. oh five stars for raw that movie sucks <laughs> how about that frank how about that i think i wrote a pretty lengthy review of that when i watched it anyways whatever okay yeah nice to hear from frank yep last email from action jackson Jackson Actium Maximus Jack Actium Jackson Maximus. Is that what we're talking about here? With with an email entitled Long Lost. Hey creeps, going to keep it short this week with another question regarding long lost and cut films. Which do you wish to see the most, RJ? (laughs) Oh no. Uh, I'm sure this is arrogated right toward you. Director's Cut of the Devils, Magnificent Ambersons, or Stroheim's Greed. Keep up the marvelous work, Jackson. The Devils? Yeah. Um, that's that's my answer? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to actually see any of these three movies. Uh, I've never actually watched Greed because I'm like, well, one day that real version is going to come trundling along. Which Greed? Like, because there's that, isn't there a Greed with Ben Stiller? You're thinking of Envy. 
Envy? No, not Envy. I know Envy. Envy's got uh, your buddy Jack Black in it. Yeah. What am I thinking of? Envy? Yeah, because it's green. Is Greed Roman Polanski's movie? Mm. Oh, it's a one-minute movie. Why is that on Letterboxd? No, Greed is like a, a big old epic. From 1924? Yeah. From Eric von Stroheim? Stroheim, yes. Oh, Jared, the king of pronunciation <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, well, you know, I mean, we're, we're practicing. Why? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Jared, here, I got a real question for you. Which of the three Brendan Fraser mummy movies is the best? The first one. The first one's pretty good. The second one no. is also good. No, it's bad. No, no, the second one's good. It's a bad movie. Well, I mean. It's bad. I think it's good. It's bad. I think it's good. No. Jarrett? False. Okay, but we can agree that the first Brendan Fraser I, I, is I, certified gold. No, I, I think it's probably aged a bit poorly. But Some people think you've aged a bit poorly. That's what do you think of that? That's fine. I'll be like the mummy of Criterion podcast hosts. What's your favorite Brendan Fraser movie? Blast from the Past? Airheads? Um, Encino Man? How, how, with, without honors. Without honors? <laughs> the hell is that? Are you I, thinking of... With um, honors? Is that the one with him in it? And Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci? Yeah. Are you talking about Joe Pesci? Oh, yeah, with honors. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, without honors. <laughs> yeah. With is honors. he not in school? Yeah, school ties. You remember school ties? No. So this is the Brendan Fraser podcast mm. where we only talk about Brendan Fraser movies forever. Hey, RJ. Yes. What Brendan Fraser movies have you been creeping on this week? Oh, that's it for the... Uh, that's it for emails. Uh, the creeps. Yep. Oh, you or you made it... Or emails. You made it sound way no, more serious. Well, I said four, and then we read through four. Um, well, what would you like to hear about, Jared? I don't know. Do you watch movies still? I watched two, and I read a book. I watched that Stranger Things. Do you want to hear about that? Probably not. <sighs> I mean, it's all the the hot jam with the kids, right? Is it? Uh, I guess it's a. Uh, it was better than season two, but still has a lot of pitfalls. That show, a lot of problematic things. Mm. There's way too much uh, teenagers making out in this season for me. It uh, it was weird. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Do you like watching teenagers make out? No. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. It hasn't, really, it, it hasn't really come up, though, in my uh, life. Once you get to Stranger Things Season 3, it will. Oh, man. That sounds like yeah. a hard recommend. A hard recommend. There was a, there was a lot of holes in the story, oh. things that like didn't really make sense. Not the making out. There wasn't holes in that. Well, I mean, there were face holes. Hey, do you want to hear about Dune? Sure. I'd love to hear about the dune so the uh alleged best science fiction movie or book ever written yeah have you ever read dune jared never dune is pretty difficult to read pretty real difficult there's so much like jargon and like uh like made up words where he's talking like about john jobbers and therefore harwitz how hard is that sci-fi Ah, uh, it's not like so. It's kind of weird it's not because technical, but it's like it's not technical sci-fi. Like it's not. Um, no. I think things like Neuromancer are way more like uh, 
like tough to get into because of how technical they are. Like Neuromancer and then like Snow Crash is the like intro level of Neuromancer, I guess. Dune isn't like any of those, but Dune's got a lot of made up like lore and mythos and things like that. Like the Jom Jombers and the Bene Gesserets and things of the such. So I read this Dune, Jarrett, and I was like, let me see what uh, all this hot, hot shit is about. As uh, your boy, uh, Denny Vigny, is uh, be doing that Dune thing next year. So I read this book, uh, and it, it definitely takes like a while to get into. I think it took me at least the first hundred pages until I felt comfortable with what I was reading, where it's like, okay, I know what these things are now that he's talking about, but he really kind of just drops it on you. He was like, here you go. You figure it out. And that's fine. I don't mind doing that, but uh, it is a... Uh, it can be challenging to get through. And the book is kind of weird where the first, it's like 500 and some pages. And I would say the first 350 pages are all within like a couple days, like setting stuff up. And then the back end of it, like the last 150, 200 pages is just like shit happening, like really, really fast, almost too fast where you're kind of like, whoa, you're like, how do we get to this? Because, like, I, I remember I had to backtrack a few t- times. I was like, did I miss something? Like, where did we make this leap in in this story? Or is he, was he just, like, bored and he was like, whatever, fuck it. I'm going to just end this thing now. Uh, and I only talk about the book and that because I feel like David Lynch's Dune is actually probably the most faithful adaptation we could we could have hoped for. Uh, and it and it actually is. So I rewatched David Lynch's Dune, mm-hmm. and uh, you know what? I think Dune's a good movie. I, I think I, I think Dune's a fine movie. I don't, yeah. I don't I don't think it deserves the shitting on it gets. No, not at all. Like I think people are mad because it's David Lynch and it's not. Everyone's always like it's not a David Lynch movie, and it, and watching it now again, having seen all of David Lynch well, well, and well, having star read fields, Dune, those those starfields yeah. of his. Yeah, like everything like that. Like, um, so having watched all David Lynch and having read Dune, watching David Lynch's Dune, it's like, yeah, this is definitely a David Lynch movie, a hundred percent, and it is actually a pretty faithful adaptation to the book Dune. There's a few things that are different, but not that much. And so I, I was watching Dune, and I was like, this movie is actually pretty good. I think the first, like. 45 minutes of this movie are actually awesome like they roll by real fast real good and it actually uh stars um what's his name jorgen horgen from uh lost honor of katarina bloom mm-hmm. as jorgen proc now jorgen proc now dos boot yeah so he's in dune which was a, a nice little connection i saw this week um but the, i think the cast in this thing's awesome like we got all of our heavy hitters, Jared. We got Patrick Stewart. We got Brad Dourif. We got Kyle McLaughlin. Big Ed. Big Ed is in there. Jack Nance mm-hmm. is in there. Max von Sydow. The, the Sting. Dean Stockwell. Yeah, that's right. Dean Stockwell, Jared, of Blue Velvet. Yes, Sting is in there, too, and he's fine. Um, but I don't know. Like, For a I man f- who uh, always is on about abs and hot abs the you really are underselling stings Stings? so i have a i don't really like sting that much um not his music and not like his 
personal or political political beliefs at all. I don't know what any of those are. I just look at Sting and I'm like, I don't like you. John, you seem like you'd be an asshole. It's John Constantine. Who Sting? Yeah. Allegedly, that's what Alan Moore thinks. Who created him? <laughs> well, that's also like Sting's in Quadrophenia too, a future yep. creep, and I thought he was really fucking annoying in that too. You know, on his like little moped beating people up. Isn't that everyone in that movie? Being annoying or on mopeds? On mopeds beating people yeah, up. Yeah, there's mopeds, but like he he's the most annoying. So anyways, Dune is actually really cool. Um, like David Lynch is doing. Uh, I think he he's not on a he, he's not on a moped. He's up on a bike actually. So, David Lynch or yeah, David Lynch in yeah. David Lynch is on a bike in Quadrophenia. Um, I think he, David Lynch does the sandworms really good. And I think he actually like the one thing that's different is the way he shows like the universal emperor is like that giant like being. And I think that's really cool. That's not what it is in the book. The emperor is like just a dude. And I totally misread that. He was just like a guy that walked around and talked to people. Uh, I thought this movie actually sets up like the universe that Dune is in in a really nice way like it, it narrates it's narrated exposition like setting things up but i thought they showed it in a way where it was actually kind of entertaining how about those uh, practical effects uh i'm all about those effects baby except for i mean even the one where it's like him and patrick stewart fighting with the shields on where mm-hmm. it's like block guys it's like whatever that's part of the story that's uh that's what i'm pretty sure what frank herbert thought it was going to look like so I think that's fine. Um, the effects are cool. I, I like, like I like all the worms. I think that their still suits are actually really good in this. Um, like that's what they are described as in the books. And then uh, what was I going to say? The movie. So when I was talking about the book, the movie for forty-five minutes is really good. And then the last forty-five minutes, it just fucking goes like super fast. And you're kind of like, even watching the movie. I just read the book. I was like why what's happening i was like this is happening way too fast again like they just kind of like rip through stuff right and i i guess that's just dune but i think the problem with that too is at the halfway point paul gets like his sight and he's just like i am the messiah i will see all and then he's basically like invincible like not actually invincible but he's like i can do whatever now and i think maybe like it makes the story a little less interesting but uh, I think David Lynch's Dune uh, gets a bad rap. I think it's actually pretty good. Except for there's this one part, Jared, where there's this cat and it has a rat taped to its body. And I was like, what? I was like, what is going on, David Lynch and the people of Dune? What is going on, Jared and the people of Dune? So, hey, do you want to hear about Jodorowsky's Dune? Yo, I don't know what he's doing. I just Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky. Knowing I was prepared for this moment when you were talking about cats with rats attached to them, and I just uh, on the Instagram posted uh, an image of of, uh, of uh, David Lynch and uh, cats and rats attached to them, and I'm like, yep, because that's what David Lynch draws is things like that, and uh, you're just seeing, you're just seeing the imagination come to life, RJ. Why that's you... almost exactly what's in there. Yep. Visionary. Tell me about the other visionary of our life. Alejandro Jodorowsky. Uh, so Yodo, yeah. I, I Hodo, call him Yodo. Hodo? I call him Yodo now. He's, Yodo. My, he's my buddy. Yodo. So uh, 
the the biggest this, the biggest uh, Facebook boomer of them all. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's unfamiliar, you should check out uh, Yodo's Facebook. He's a uh, oh man, he's pretty active on there. I'm not sure who's like posting this shit, but it's like it's got to uh-huh. be. It's an old man. It is, and he was just like posts like. Oh God, just the cringiest shit of like young couples making love and just like with inspirational quotes that really make you think mm-hmm. Ugh, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know what else is amazing? I think this is a, is a very good documentary. It Jared. holds up. I think it holds up pretty good. Uh, good. there are a few things I'm going to mention, which are dated and by, okay. So this thing holds up pretty good. And it is, it's super effective in that I just watched these Yodorowsky movies and like El Topo and Santa Sangri, uh, I did enjoy, but like Holy Mountain was like, it wasn't my kind of show, but watching this, I was kind of like, Hmm, Holy Mountain looks good. Even though I just <laughs> watched it and I was like, I was like, no, that movie stinks. So it, it's effective in that it still kind of achieves that where it's still kind of like getting me hooked in but it's because it's showing Yodorowsky and he's just like he seems like the most positive uh warm guy ever where like part of the interview the cat interrupts and he's like come here come here Claude and then he's talking and then he's like you have to reach for your dreams he's like you gotta grab your dreams Jarrett he says Jarrett in the documentary but he's so like he's honestly like such a vibrant and happy person that he's really hard not to kind of uh root for and then like you see how like eccentric and weird he actually was and that's part of his charm too i think the crazy thing about this is like when they're talking about all of the things that were going to happen in yodorowsky's dune and he's like well i kind of wanted this guy for the role but i didn't really know how to get in contact with him and then i saw him the next week he was taking a big shit on the side of the road or it's like, or he was like buying a donut from this like cafe, and I was like, "Hey, you want to be in Dune?" And they said yes, and uh, that's how uh, Dune got, came together. He tells that story literally six times, where it's like with different people, where he's like, "So I ran into Orson Welles, and I was like, hey, do you want to be in Dune?'" And he's like, "Well, he's like, I'll give you free food," and he's like, "All right, I will be in Dune." There will be. Pie. That's the actual story. That's the actual literal story of how he got Orson Welles to agree to it. But like all the other people, like uh, Salvador Dali, Mick Jagger, yeah, like all those people, it was like I I thought they would be good, but uh, I don't know how to talk to him. He's like, and then I ran into him on the street one day, and you're just like, what? Like, how does this fucking happen to you? Because he's a magician. He's a magician. He lives his life like the tarot deck. He is the fool who takes the plunge off of the edge of the cliff, off into greater journeys, just greener pastures, Jer. Don't be such a square man so he is like pretty wild and his dune it would have been a really cool movie but it wouldn't it wouldn't have been dune like and that's the thing and like i don't care i'm not one of these diehard dune guys that's like messiah of dune Ooh, like i don't really give a shit but like he even mentions uh he goes into detail talk talking about how he was raping frank herbert and he like does (laughs) action he's like i was doing it like this uh and um Like, it wasn't actually Dune. It was just kind of like the broad strokes. And I think that's fine. Whatever. It would have been cool. It wouldn't have have been Dune, but that's fine. Who cares? So the things that I think... So on the whole, it's a really good documentary. It's super entertaining, uh, which I think you and I both liked it when 
I think, yeah. So it's it's really good, really entertaining. It's really interesting to see like the the roots of this stuff and where it led to. But so the dated things that I think are super comical are uh, the one that you mention all the time, Nicholas Winding <laughs> Refn. He comes off like such a fucking asshole in this thing, and it's just like. It's like, do you not get it, dude? Like, maybe he's on the spectrum or something, and he like can't read things. Oh, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. But RJ. he's just like, okay, you can edit that out. This is a nah. character I play for the podcast. So he he's like, he's like talking, and he he kind of has this like uh, this arrogant per, uh, like persona to him. He's European. Yeah, I guess, but like he he's really arrogant and then he's talking about like so he the thing that you always talk about where he's like I sat up all night reading this book. So essentially the movie bible. I, yeah, the movie bible and he's like so essentially I am the only person in the world who has seen Jodorowsky's Dune. And I am going to tell you that it is like the most amazing movie ever made. Yeah. And uh I think I think the the like the hilarious thing to that is that he's just like I'm the only person who's ever seen this, and the document like the documentary uh, people are showing the actual book as he's talking about it. And it's like so you're not. This is a documentary that literally shows like it doesn't show it page for page, but it's like you do get a pretty good grasp at what was going on. Like that's the point of the documentary, right? I'm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think I, I can't remember. Did we talk about the movie on the podcast? If we did, I don't know. I've talked about this. Could have been people. pre-pod. Yeah, I, I just think that uh, I've probably, I feel like I've repeated myself that that should be turned into a Tashin book. Just make it like a, you know, $300, like real fancy edition that reproduces the entire book from start to finish. Why not? Put it out as Jodorowsky's Dune. Put it out by the end of this year when the mm-hmm. uh, new movie comes out and... Uh, just have at her, and then we can all be just as wise as Winding Ref in and, and, and Hon- talk talk about how we're geniuses, I guess. Honestly, why not? Like, why? Like, there's no reason not to. They show a t- huge chunk of it in this thing. Yeah. So the Nicholas Winding Refn thing was funny, but I didn't laugh. I've never. I haven't laughed out loud this hard in a while as when this movie was playing and they're doing the talking head thing. And then it cuts to a uh, film critic uh, and their expert, Jared, their film critic expert that they got to kind of analyze the universe of Dune. They're like, we need some nerdy film critic to come in and talk about Dune. And it cuts to Devin Farachi oh, of Birth, yeah. Movies, Death. And I just fucking burst out laughing to myself. And I was like, of course, of course, it's this, this fucking this, guy. This, that, uh, that has not aged well. <laughs> no not at all and so you hear this guy and he's talking about like he's he's like summarizing themes and he's talking about all these things and i'm just like look at your life look at what happened (laughs) i'm not surprised i mean i remember there was i can't remember what it was but he he made some tweet about killing dogs once and i was like what a piece of shit Mm. this guy and uh you know i mean you can google him and see what happened to him but he's a real max landis type from the sounds of it or yes, like I think one person said something. He's like, "You're right. I am that person. I'm going to step away." He made a big thing of it, and then quietly started working somewhere else. And people were like, "What the fuck?" And then 
oh, I'm not employed there anymore. It's like mm-hmm. that that guy, he just, uh, when you have opinions online, like one day, like you, or, you and me, we're going to get targeted that way. And we're going to, like all sorts of bad things will happen because we have opinions. <laughs> well, you get, that's why you got to edit out any talk of like hard R's, spectrums, uh, any like vernacular or like common s- slang that uh, might be deemed insensitive. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you can just say that these are characters we played. That's a, that works, right? <laughs> That's right. It completely uh, absolves you of any yes. wrongdoing. Yes. All right. So that's what I watched and talked about, Jarrett. So, uh, you know, Dune. Dune. You're ready. You're primed. Right. I'm all fucking ready. Den- Denny, so you. Denny's coming over. He's got, he's got the that early cut. Ooh, you, me, and the Silver Fox will be seeing that Saturday afternoon oh, matinee. There, so neither of us have got to see Midsummer yet because that's it's, just that's where we it's live. Not here. It's not here. We're not allowed for whatever reason. Uh-huh. But uh, there's like a, I saw a, a screen cap of uh, the new issue of Fangoria where uh-huh. uh, Jordan Peele's interviewing Ari Aster about it, and it's oh, it's such a piece of shit. Like where it's like I just saw the Ooh. unfinished versions of it. It's brilliant. It's absolutely it's like yeah. Like there's like still seventy optical effects that haven't been done for it. It's like wow, I can't wait to watch it again. Oh, it's so brilliant. It's like shut up. Uh, you're the fucking like, like the syncophants and the fucking enthusiasm for shit. It just makes mm. me it just. Uh, I so agree. <laughs> maybe you should say something, Jerry. Maybe you should, should use at this them. platform. Maybe I should at them. Yeah, to uh, uh, give some opinions. Yeah. Nobody, no harms ever come to anyone for giving an opinion. Mm-hmm. I can say that with confidence. Yep. Yep. So you should do that, mm-hmm. and then after that. Uh, um, you, distance yourself from me entirely. Okay. Okay. What do you, so let's see. What, what, what did I creep on this week? So at last week, you tell me? after we uh, finished recording, I watched a movie mm-hmm. called The Chase from 1966. <gasps> uh, this movie is also directed by Arthur Penn, who also directed Mickey One, which I talked about last week, which was terrible. And I watched mm-hmm. The Chase because I had heard it kind of belongs into the early days of the new Hollywood style. Uh, it's got Marlon Brando playing a, a Texan sheriff of a small town and boy oh boy rj this movie does quite the number on the people of texas uh what way is it uh frank herbert no no there's none of that uh (laughs) this movie's stacked it's like robert duvall marlon brando robert redford oh god damn if you look over this list you're just like god who isn't in this movie um so what did you want it go we weren't alive yet so they didn't ask that's but, not really an excuse Jerry. You know. so anyway the chase robert redford mm-hmm. he's just escaped from jail and he's making he's trying to get to mexico and he jumps on the wrong train there's a lot mm-hmm. of like scenes of him just like running through fields and catching trains that's like the beep line because then back in town um the town is kind of like got a lot of dirty secrets because it's the south and uh, there, there seemed to be some cover-ups and people being sent away because it was inconvenient for uh, the sake of uh, decency and for uh, decorum. Scary. And, yeah, because it's the South, man. <laughs> Scary. Uh, and, and so it's like this movie is just filled with like horrible, drunk, white, racist people and nice. all the horrible things they try to get away with. Just like this podcast, eh? Just, just like this podcast for one of us. Mm-hmm. And so uh-huh. <laughs> this movie takes this like turn like it's this movie's got a lot of problems it is it drags a lot but when it's good it is 
awesome. Like it is so mm. well done. It was getting me fired up and just like fuck. I just like just kill these guys. Just kill them. They're like the worst human beings ever. Just like take your gun and shoot them in the back of the head. These these horrible fucking racist pieces of shit we're just beating on marlon brando in this one scene oh wow it's so good and um at the end of the movie it's like get get you fired up it's just like god damn the injustice of it all oh but then there's like all the stuff in between and it's so slow and like you zone right out uh the opening credits are fantastic and then it Mm -hmm. slows right down for a while and sets up all these things the movie's like over like it's over two hours long it definitely doesn't need to be there's like these like circumstances that don't mean shit because when they get to the actual uh the film craft as we like to say on this podcast mm, it's artisan. outstanding and just yeah it buries texas and the people like they're just like like cows chewing cud in the field watching horrible nice. things going on uh then they just start like hurling gasoline and fire everywhere for kicks because mm. it's fun they start like chasing down black guys because they have they're in the wrong part of town and they're like just start firing weapons at them and you're just like oh my god the chase so this uh, movie i watched because it was on one list but then i saw mm. uh others have been watching it lately and it's because uh tarantino and the ramp up to uh, once upon a time in hollywood coming out mm. uh it's like on his like list and whenever tarantino names a movie people go out of their way to watch uh, was that why you watched it? No, it was a total coincidence. And I was like, oh, cool. And so he says, no, allegedly. It, yeah. I mean, it's just like I've been on this other type of kick, but there's a whole bunch of movies on that list. And I'm like, that sounds pretty good, too. So on a scale of me to Texas racist, where are you? You're past the Texas racist, right? Yeah, I've come all the way around. Mm. Move those goalposts. So, so, so that's decent. Like, like, yeah. I liked it okay, but yeah, it's it's definitely flawed, heavily flawed. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so RJ, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I, I watched that, and then I watched a movie I don't know if you're familiar with. It's called Payback, it's from 1999. Oh, baby, uh, uh, directed in quotes by Brian Hegland and starring and finished by Mel Gibson. <sighs> When was the last time so you when, when was the last time you've seen Payback? I don't know, like four or five years ago. Okay, it's not that long ago. Yeah, I don't know. I think Payback's awesome. Payback. You tell I'm, me about how I'm awesome Payback. Surprised is. that you're like so unquestioning in your love for Payback because I th- would figure well, that the, the the music in this movie mm-hmm. is very 1999 Seinfeld-y? and Seinfeldy. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's like it's very jazzy, but. Yeah. yeah, but I I, lo- I love the '90s though. Do you? I allegedly do. Well, I mean, you don't like. I mean, you 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 trash talk Seinfeld music all the time. I'm not trash talking it. I'm just drawing attention to how many people have copied the Seinfeld I, I, I method. See. Are you familiar with uh, the the tale of payback? How Brian oh. Hagelin made his movie, and then uh, yes. the studio was like, "Whoa, we don't like this." And then they got Mel Gibson to come in and spruce mm-hmm. it up, do some color correcting, <laughs> use some mm-hmm. blue, desaturate, make it blue and stuff. And, and then then, uh, then that do? got released, and it was like a moderate success. I, I know more people in my personal life that like love this movie, and then I remember watching it and being like, "This is amazing!" In a point in time in my life where I'd seen like less than five hundred movies, now that I've seen mm-hmm. like. 6,000 movies. It's like, it's still pretty good. This is a real guilty pleasure, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, what 90s movie isn't? Big Lebowski? 
Fargo? No, that's a guilty pleasure. Those are both guilty pleasures. No. Well, I think the thing that you're forgetting, Jared, is that Mel Gibson yeah. is amazing. He's short. <laughs> He's definitely short. Hey, you know, I, I don't some, like this thing that you're talking about. You know what this movie also has in it? Chris Christopherson. Really? Yeah. Is he uh he's can you find him in a passionate embrace in this or uh what's no, what's he doing? He's like he's like doing some stuff uh, in his like home gym. He's angry about what's happening to his son, he gets blown up. Mm. Yeah. But then what happens? And, and James Coburn, uh star of Cross <gasps> of Iron. Star of Maverick. Yeah. He is in Maverick. He is. I can say that with confidence. But uh, yeah, payback. It, so yeah, it is a. It's. I wound up watching two movies, both from 1999, that owe a lot to the movie I lent you last week, and that you did not watch. Point. I told you I blank. wasn't going to. But you should have, because I told you this, this would all make more sense. So yeah, payback. It's, it's. It's worth watching. It's okay. It's good. I mean, for like late 90s uh, action filmmaking stuff. I, I think it's it's got a lot of charm to it. Some of the jokes still are pretty funny. Uh, hey, remember Lucy Liu? Remember when people gave a shit about Lucy Liu? What do you mean when people? I still give a shit about Lucy Liu. No, you don't. Hey, here's the thing about Lucy Liu. She's a, she is a stone cold fox. Mm. It took me a little bit to get that out there, but uh, <laughs> doesn't seem earnest. the message is the same. Uh, you remember when Lucy Liu was in that episode of uh, Futurama? Yep. That was pretty cool. Was that the peak of her popularity? No. What do you think the peak of her popularity was? Charlie's Angels? Uh, probably sometime after Payback and uh, Allie McBeal. That was like her big thing. That's what put her on the map. Remember Allie McBeal? Uh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I do. Yeah. So, RJ... <laughs> Uh, to go yeah. along with Payback, I also uh-huh. watched a movie that isn't a remake of the same material, the the Richard Stark novel, it? The Limey, starring Terrence Stamp, directed by Steven Soderbergh. I've heard you talk about The Limey before. Yes. and uh, It seems I, like you like this movie. I, I did like this movie. Until? Um, well, I rewatched it. Um. And there's definitely elements of Steven Soderbergh's filmmaking that I think... Uh, Orange? There's holes in his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie owes a lot. So the weirdest thing about this new Hollywood movie watching of mine is he does the mm-hmm. commentary tracks on a whole bunch of these movies. Um, I also watched Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. He does a commentary track with Mike Nichols. He did mm-hmm. a commentary track on Point Blank with John Borman. Mm-hmm. And here in the Limey, he does a commentary track on his own movie with screenwriter Lem Dobbs, who writes this, who wrote this movie and spends most of it just shit talking the movie and talking about how Steven Soderbergh made a lot of bad decisions. I like uh, that. It's one of those like legendary commentary tracks because a lot of them, yeah. a lot of the times everyone gets along, like uh, Jordan Peele and Ariel Astor and stuff. This is like the opposite. This is like a guy like saying, what, what's the shit? I didn't write this. This is like bad Tarantino wannabe writing. <laughs> And, uh, and it's like, yep, that, that is exactly what they were going for in that scene. Hmm. But, uh, so this is a movie it stars Terrence Stampy and, uh, he is an Englishman who comes to America to exact revenge for on the dog, for his daughter being killed in some unknown circumstance. And the blame is falling on Peter Fonda. Why is it on Peter Fonda? Because he's the guy that someone wrote a letter 
uh, to turn stamp about saying that he was responsible. Louis, Louise Guzman in this movie, uh, <gasps> who actually like in this movie, because of like Steven Soderbergh editing, I would say not a mm-hmm. great performance. And, really? Uh, yep. Because, and I, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not Louise Guzman's fault. I was going to say that doesn't seem fair. He's, he's never given a bad performance. Uh, we have Nikki Katz here playing RJ. Um, like Nikki Katz. Yep. He's a horrible human being. Well, and, what does he do? Oh, you, you, you tell me. He says some bad things. He has some strong opinions, just like you. RJ. On? Everything. Are they good opinions? No. They're very, what do you mean? Uh, you'll, you'll have to watch it one day, find out. To, I'm not going to. You'll, I have would, to I... you'll, you'll have to keep an ear open for it and be like, do I, that's, you'll be laughing. Huh, that's just what I'd say. And then you go, oh. People what know, what I, people know who, what I'm talking about. They know. So, but anyway, Limey. So <sighs> it has this, uh, atemporal editing where scenes kind of flow in and out. They're <gasps> non-linear, uh, non-linear editing. Yes. Um, the music, it's got that, uh, Cliff Martinez who turns in some pretty good music. And then some of it is very TV ish. The climax of this movie is terrible. Like it feels like a TV movie. Uh, or like an, a TV episode, it's shit. I, I was sure. like so underwhelmed because I'm like the first half of this movie I think is quite strong, and then the second half feels really unnecessary. Kind of like us, just like us. Well, the first half I usually lead with the creeps, and in the second half, you're you're zoned out. You're just well, I'm zoned out, but I'm listening. I'm listening. That's... You know, Nikki Cat was the the bad guy in Dazed and Confused. Oh. Okay. I'm not into that. I don't like being called Nikki Cat. What Katz. if I called? What if I called you? Um, I don't know. Gary, uh, Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. What yep. if I called you that? No, you're you're a Phil Spector for sure. A Phil Spector. I've mentioned famed, it before. Famed actor Phil Spector. Oliver, Frank, and Justin can hey, all Phil email Spector, in and say how you look like the Phil wall, Spector. Whatever. Coming up with the wall of sound. Brilliant. <laughs> He's a genius. What wall of sound? Look it up. Read a book, RJ. Don't read. He killed quit, people. Quit reading Dune. So did Ted Kaczynski. You just you just <laughs> called him a genius, and he killed a bunch of people. Wall of sound. Hey, I also mm. finally got around to watching Where Eagles Dare. My Blu-ray copy mm. of it arrived, and holy crap, what a shitty Blu-ray it was! I was like, man, oh. studios just do not give love to things at all. Like I've watched Vinegar Syndrome Blu-rays of like crap 70s porn movies that look amazing and where mm-hmm. eagles dare on blu-ray from warner brothers looks like shit what a piss off that Thanks. was but the movie uh this also i would say falls into guilty pleasure territory but fuck is it awesome oh this movie you have fucking richard tell me burton, about where eagles dare Jared. richard burton the original action dad my mm. my god mm-hmm. him jumping between gondolas <laughs> between the oh man mm-hmm. so this movie it's non it gets calling it non-stop action would be like this movie is like a like non-stop action but no it's mm-hmm. these people go in and out and you watch the entire like pacing of them getting dropped into enemy territory making their way mm-hmm. through the mountains coming across the uh the base they have to but it's like on the top of a mountain so they have to go through the uh the camp with all the soldiers in disguises they go up the mountain they blow up the mountain there's mm-hmm. Double crosses, uh, triple crosses, what? and then adventures down. It's what? it's step by step a procedure of this most ridiculous of plans. There's plot holy things going on. We're like, hmm. why didn't they just shoot those guys? But they didn't because they needed them. Maybe 
but I I love this movie still. Okay. Um, hey, it gets the Coen Brothers rub. It's one of their like top ten favorite movies. So, well, what Be are there. their other nine? Ah, Il Bodin from uh, Fellini. Uh, okay, never mind. Guy. I don't care about their other movies. Then <laughs> uh, I've seen Where Eagles Dare. That yeah. movie is real rad. Yeah, it is rad. That's uh, there's an Iron Maiden song called Where Eagles Dare. Do you think it's based on the movie? I think it's probably it might be about the SAS. Do you think it's based on the movie? I also watched a movie, RJ. Was, <laughs> I, what, what what else did you watch, Jerry? I watched uh, Wojciech. This is a Wyzek? Werner Herzog movie uh, uh-huh. with Klaus Kinski. This movie, uh, I've never been that big of a fan. I remember watching this way back in my youthful days, watching Herzog and being like, oh, mm-hmm. this movie is just kind of boring. The opening scene, like the opening title card scene is really awesome. And then it just goes on and on and on. And then we get a, a sweet murder scene that's got lots of good slow-mo and good music and bulgy-eyed Kinski. But the, so this movie, like, I don't know, it just slides off my eyes. It's definitely, I think, the weakest of their collaborations. But Mm -hmm. there is a scene that I'm going to describe to you because it is decidedly not RJ safe. In fact, why would you describe it? Because it'll be fun. So RJ, there's a scene in this. There's there's so there's this nutty professor type of figure who's uh, got our our boy Wojcik on a diet of only peas, and he does other sorts of like crank Mm -hmm. uh, doctor experiments. And so soon enough, he does an experiment involving a cat. This experiment is mm. is a shoot of the man dropping a cat from the second story of a building down where Klaus Kinski is to catch him. Now, he just dropped this cat and Klaus Kinski barely catches this cat as you know, things fall faster than I think people realize and the cat is in full like I'm trying to grab onto something. The cat grabs into Klaus Kinski as he falls. And you're like, whoa. Mm. I, I, had to, I had to rewind this because I was like, what the fuck? And then you like Klaus Kinski's holding this cat that's now terrified. And he looks up. It shit itself. And you realize, yes, the cat landed and in its terror shit itself and left shit all over uh, Klaus Kinski's clothes. And I'm just like, bravo. <laughs> This is, and uh, this you is were true. you this were is, on board this, with this. This, this is this is truly cinema. <laughs> and you you were uh, you thought this was a good thing? No, <laughs> it's just like oh. this, this, I'm just like wow. This scene is not uh, RJ times, but it was like that I one don't one know why like, that would be an anybody scene. You know? Uh, well, it's here. It is the uh, you know the, the track record of. Uh, oh, I think there's like a monkey who gets smacked and upside the head because he's not performing well too. Because. Uh, <sighs> Werner uh, animals are just part of the uh, the tapestry of his show, just like uh, Jodorowsky. RJ, it was the seventies. Just think about how much better animals were being probably treated in the seventies than they were in prior decades. Just think. Well, not for the sake of movies. They didn't have movies fifty remember, years. Remember before. when Edison uh, filmed that elephant getting electrocuted? Classic. Edison did. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I think the elephant was like. Was probably going to get executed anyway, but There's more reason for, for, for his crimes against humanity. You know, elephants. Un fucking believable, Jared. I also watched Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. Uh, what is that? 
What's that? It's a it's a movie. I, I've actually never seen that. It's a movie with uh, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, um, and directed by Mike Nichol. This is his first feature film. He would then go on to do The Graduate and Wolf with Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. amongst some other movies, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie is based on a play, a very well regarded play. Uh, it's, I guess my introduction to this movie was via the Simpsons where there's like these two mm-hmm. pe- very hostile, witty people yelling at each other. And I was always like, what's that from? And then <laughs> realizing later, oh, it's for, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf being referenced. Cause this movie is just about like people who hate each other, like who are in a loveless marriage. And it's, uh, a, it's a movie about this podcast. Yes, yes. And then a loveless they fall, and then like they this young couple because they all so they all work at this university. Or of sorry, course. Richard Burton is a history professor. Uh, his wife is the daughter of the president of the university. And there's this young guy played by George Siegel. He's coming by. He's but he's from Bio, and he's got his young wife. And it's like two in the morning, and they're like continuing on a party that should have probably wrapped up a while ago, and. These people, it's all about the writing in this. Like the mm-hmm. the dialogue is fantastic. Like it's so brutal and vicious and clever. But mm-hmm. uh, I've always like loved the first hour of this, and then it gets real slow and uninteresting for a while. And then like there's this like thing going on involving like these like Taylor and Burton having a son, and it just kind of goes from there. I I think of legit the last time two times I've watched this movie, I've like f- fallen asleep. Because I'm also mm. watching this movie way too late at night. Why do you watch movies so late at night, Jared? Because that's the only time I can get movies in. And these movies are always like over two hours long for some reason. It's just like, why? Why, people? Maybe you should do what I do and uh, just pretend to watch movies. That's true. That seems to work well for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what doing is. Yeah. Is it about worms or something? But So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people love this Virginia Wolf, but I always find that it runs out of steam. Uh, I've heard of it a yeah. lot. Yes, but, it gets uh, talked about quite a bit. I just, I'd recommend people watch it for sure, but I always yeah. have the same issue with it, I think. The first time I watched it, I loved it, and subsequent viewings, I'm always like, oh. Yeah. It, I, this movie kind of falls into that, uh, like it's still pre-1970, but it's black and white, uh, shot by old Conrad Hall. and uh, Who's Conrad yeah, Hall? The guy shot The Apartment bunch of other really nice oh, looking I movies. I like the apartment. You do. That movie's better than this. I'm, I'm willing to say it. What? Yeah. What? Uh, what else did I watch? Panic in Needle Park. Jerry Schultz. Uh, is that about uh, Al Pacino. It's about heroin addicts in New York. Oh my God. Was that made young, in present day or it's what? It's like Al Pacino when he was like young and cute. Even before cruising. Cruisin? Yeah. <gasps> before before cruising. cruising. Like 10 years before cruising. God damn. Yeah. So this movie just is another uh, drugs are bad type of movie. Nothing yeah. special. It's not bad. It's It's been on my watch list forever. But I also watched another Jerry Salzberg movie. His first movie, Puzzle of a Downfall Child, starring uh, Faye Dunaway. And that this was like a total snooze. Like, I this movie sucked. I, I didn't like this at all. Uh, I'm glad it is not something that's in the Criterion Collection. Thumbs Yet. Up that. Yet. Uh, and then finally, I'll just mention I watched this movie called Petulia. What is Petulia? It's got George C. Scott, uh, mm-hmm. Julie Christie, and mm-hmm. this from Richard Lester, director of Help. Remember Help with the Beatles? Oh. Remember Help? Oh yeah, I, I do remember Help actually. Yeah, yeah. So, is that a good show that you recommend watching? Nope. 
So <laughs> he also directed Superman two and three. But oh, uh, is that also good? N- no. So I kind of went into Petulia thinking, well, I haven't seen this. It fits into the era of movies I'm watching right now. And it's so weird watching George C. Scott in this because one year later he's playing Patton, an old man. And watching this, he's still like, no, George C. Scott's like young and like not Patton aged yet. Was Does this fit in where George C. Scott is now currently buried next to, in an arm, unmarked grave by uh, Walter Matthau? It ties in like everything to that. A little bit? A little bit. You're familiar with that, correct? Yeah, you talked about it on this very okay. show with a okay. friend of the show, Justin. So, yes. Petulia, mm-hmm. uh, the first 15 minutes of it, I was getting real worried that we were getting into goofy help territory. And mm-hmm. then it turns around and then it starts getting darker and weirder and like more of this free flow type of movie of like sadness and people staying in relationships, abusive relationships, people getting their shit beat out of them. Husbands and wives mm-hmm. throwing shit at each other, kids, new stepdad types, um, the horrors of uh, medicine and Mexico. <laughs> the horrors of Mexico? Jo- Joseph, the horrors of Joseph Cotton. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Nonstop. Jared. This movie was decent. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I didn't really watch anything this week <laughs> that was like uh, a revelation of like, wow. But. Wow. That's. Wow. That's wild stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I watched a lot of movies, but. Well, did you enjoy like any of them though? Petulia is fine. Um, Petulia? Yeah, Petulia. Payback. Petulia. Where Eagles Dare. The Chase. So, but yeah, there's some some disappointments in there too. That's kind of like interesting watching, re-watching things. So between Payback and Blade 2, which is better? Payback. Okay, that's fair. Are you going to rewatch Blade 2 in your rewatch uh, streak no. here? Unless what do you I, mean never? Unless, unless I go through a Guillermo rewatch. No, you don't yeah. got to do a gear. I do. Watch Blade 1, watch Blade 2. I've already, I already watched Blade 1, and that was good enough for me. Why? Like 15 years ago? No, like two years ago. Wait, when did you watch Blade 1 two years ago? Last summer. I, I don't I believe Blade. this. I watched Blade. Yeah, I did. Why did you watch Blade last summer? Because I wanted to watch it. Why didn't you watch Blade Two? It was like even two years ago. I don't. I don't care about Blade Two. Why not? Hey RJ. Yes. You got, you got any news? Uh, I got some news for you, Jarrett. Uh, the Ebola outbreak in the Congo declared a go- global health emergency. Yay! Uh, remember how you always talk about the uh, the hot zone? Well, it's really good that we have a president. Who's not racist. Not us. Not our president. And, and that he doesn't like think, oh, they don't matter. I don't want to spend money. It's like, you know, sometimes you got to spend money to keep that shit at bay. Get that well, get that solved. Rather than, no, that's their problem to figure out. It's like, no, that's all our problems. It's every, well, it is now a global emergency. Yay. Woo. I think there's no possible way to prevent it. None. Oh, that, that sucks. Well, other... I guess we might as well just forget about it. Yeah, whatever. Yep. yep. Yeah. Sweet. Hey, uh, you ever going to watch that Hot Zone TV show? No, probably not. I got to watch Chernobyl first. True. And maybe I'll get a bowl and die. It won't really matter. I'll get to like live it. Uh, I mean, we all got our fingers crossed. Yeah, I want to liquefy a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like street trash. 
What's uh, what's your news? Um, well, RJ, I want to tell you about Criterion's October releases, but I can't because uh, here we are. It is July 17th. I realized yesterday it was the 16th, and I went, oh, it was the middle of the month. Criterion's mm-hmm. uh, announcements should be up. I just missed them. And then, of course, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is like Spine 1000 being announced. Shit. Mm-hmm. I went looking, and I went, Hey, there's nothing here. There's no one talking about it. And then I see Criterion had an announcement saying, hey, sorry we couldn't get it out. And tomorrow there will be an announcement for today. I uh, get home off after work and see, sorry, boys. There's no <laughs> announcement yet. Well, we've got to wait till tomorrow. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, huh, that's weird. So it's weird for a few reasons. Because they've never been there. I don't think they've been There's late. never been a delay before. Other, other than like if it falls on the weekend, then you just get that Monday. And so now here we are, yeah. Wednesday, and there's no announcement. So yeah, there's some theories, there's some uh, mm. some wild beliefs of uh, people. I've seen some people saying that maybe like they're fighting to secure the rights on something in particular, but it's like, when did they lock those up long ago? Or like they're not ready yeah. to release something. And part of it too is like, well, it's October. They got to have some sort of uh, Halloweeny movie. They they generally have had something Hopefully. that fits into that, but some sort of genre thing. But I don't know. I have no idea. It's going to, they have to eventually announce it. But. They have to eventually, but it is weird that they're like, yeah, there's never been a delay before. And I, I, I agree with you. That I don't I think it's a of. rights thing because it's like they they would never like, well, I don't know. Maybe they would. I was going to say they would never like put that much weight in, or hope into it. It's like, well, we got, this should be spine 1000 where we got to wait for them to tell us and then uh, they just wait until the announcements come out because what's their plan b well they have less than three months and it's like i'm sure that they've been working on the restoration of whatever it's going to be for a while it's not like they're just going to whip this up but who knows i mean there's a lot of people who think it's like well maybe it's citizen kane and they want to make sure that all the things are crossed and dotted well yeah they would have done that already and just tied things up from one to one thousand. You have Citizen Kane from Laser Disc, and now you've got it for one thousand. That's like the mm-hmm. obvious one. I see some people think that it's going to be Godzilla. It's going to be the big Godzilla set, but that doesn't like that doesn't really need to be. 1, I don't think that's super appealing to uh, anyone other than people like us. Uh, like yeah, not well, maybe and, not and normal people, people on Twitter who just like are constantly posting uh, Godzilla gifts to the mm-hmm. to the announcements that have been delayed. Uh, the one that I like is people who really are hung up. Because they're on some sort of spectrum that uh, Tarkovsky's oh, I, well, The Mirror is 1001. Uh, can you repeat what you think the people who are upset about this or what did you say? What was your phrasing for that? Not, they're not upset. Oh, but the people who are. They're, they're, they look at their shelves and they go 1001, 1001, 1001, The Mirror, The Mirror. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. Share oh. it. <laughs> they're they're being taken out to Vegas. If with people Tom could see his, his physical, his physical action of uh, that whole conversation, we would uh we'd be in a lot of trouble, pal. It's a good thing it's an audio cast. Oh, for now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait until those Patreon bucks come in and we do that live show. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, live I mean, shit, broadcast. I mean, last week we could have had hey folks write in with your emails and say what you think spine 1000 is going to be but now the point is moot and we'll all know in like a day people could email into uh tomorrow 
and I won't get, read it till next week. <laughs> yep. And we can see how wrong people are. I wonder if uh, Justin is refreshing still. I hope not because like I, I put on, on the vacation. Uh, all I, you know what I did? I just put on the notifications on the, the criterion Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then, and, they re- and then they retweet some like garbage thing and then yeah, you're like, God damn it. This all has day nothing today, to do with it. It was all about, it was like Wong Kar Wai's birthday and Donald Sutherland's birthday. So it was just like, they were just retweeting that shit. And I was like, get out of here with that garbage. Well, I saw a lot of people uh, on Reddit now are just hijacking the, that page of the, the Reddit criterion with uh, mm. talking about what the clute and clute this. You're such a clute. Yeah, I saw that also. <laughs> what is this clute business, Jared? Because the movie Clute with Donald uh, no, Sutherland I, I, just came out. No. So it's clute time. It's clute time. Can that be the the Clutarian collection? Can that be the motto of our uh, podcast? It's why? Because clute's like not good. Like clute is like of the Bacula movies of you know Bacula Scott Bacula Scott Bacula's movies. It's (laughs) like it's like the weakest one. Well, is that what is that the joke though? No, I think people do like that movie. It's very seventies, but it's not a. I don't know. It's not, it's not too, it, it ain't a hoot. It's it clue. It, yeah. It's only a clute. It's only clue. Wow. Look at how uh, we digressed. Uh, yep. Hey, RJ. Yes. We got a movie to talk about. Okay. After the break, we're going to Deutschland. <gasps> we're going to go fall in love with the anarchists. Ooh. How do you know? I read the script. lesen die Romane von Heinrich Böll. Die aktuellste Erzählung des Nobelpreisträgers wurde zum erregenden Filmreport über eine gefährliche Krankheit unserer Zeit, den Meinungsterror. Versuchen wir mal, uns ein Bild zu machen von der unbescholtenen Hausangestellten Katharina Blum. Ich freue mich so. Ich habe ein bisschen Angst. Angst? Wovor? Weiß ich nicht, wenn ich das wüsste, dann hätte ich hier keine Angst. Die 
verlorene Ehre der Katharina Blum ist ein Film über die Gewalt, der zeigt, wie sie entstehen und wohin sie führen kann. Aber Katharina ist nicht zu helfen. Mir ist noch zu helfen. Sie lässt sich einfach nicht helfen. Das Haus wird seit gestern Abend observiert. Wenn er nicht hier ist, weit kann er nicht sein. Aber wir kriegen ihn bald. Und wenn du nicht willst, dass er zum Krüppel geschossen wird, dann sagen Sie mir gleich, wo er ist. Sind Sie gleich mit ihm abgezischt? Warum? Ist ja klar. Wir müssen den Kollegen von der Presse Gelegenheit geben, ihrer Informationspflicht nachzukommen. Das Sport, ja. Bitte. Oh, vielen Dank. Sagen Sie, halten Sie eigentlich Ihr Dienstmädchen eines Verbrechens für fähig? Wieso? Welches Verbrechen nicht? Ich halte jeden Menschen eines Verbrechens fähig. Auch mit diesem Herrn habe ich ein paar Mal getanzt. Wir wollen doch nicht persönlich werden, Frau Blum. Bitte beschränken Sie sich inhaltlich darauf, was Sie gefragt werden, ja? Hat er dich denn gefickt? Die verlorene Ehre der Katharina Blum ist die Geschichte einer Empörung. Ein sanfter Mensch schlägt um sich. Eine unbescholtene Frau wird zum Schlagzeilenobjekt einer Skandalzeitung. In der Story ist noch viel drin. Da müssen wir jetzt gleich was nachschießen. Nachschießen, Mädchen. Immer nachschießen, sonst vergessen die Leute dich. Volker Schlöndorf, deutscher Regisseur mit internationalem Prestige, machte aus einem wichtigen Buch einen wichtigen, provozierenden Film. In der Rolle der Katharina Blum eine überzeugende Neuentdeckung. Angela Winkler. Wo ist Ludwig? Was ist mit Ludwig? Die verlorene Ehre der Katharina Blum. Ein großer Film für ein großes Publikum. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about The Lost Honor of Katharina Blum from 1975, directed by Volker Schlondorf and Marguerite von Trotta. The Thanks. synopsis of this film, no tagline, folks. Mm. After a chance encounter with a wanted man, a woman is harassed by the police and press until she takes violent action. What kind of action? Violent action. I think that's uh, kind of saying a little too much there. A little too much, yes. It's not necessary. So, RJ, mm-hmm. this movie kind of caught me off guard. Really? Yeah. So, I didn't know anything about this movie. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before. I kind of only ever heard the title. And it's one of those movies, it sure sounds like a Criterion Collection type of movie. and mm-hmm. But it's like one that no one talks about. Um, like Honestly, I don't know if a lot of people uh, talk about Volker Schlondorf uh, much at all. <laughs> well, maybe not people you know, but I talk about <laughs> Volker Schlondorf daily, I think. Uh, and yeah, uh, as noted in a, a few weeks ago, uh, when listener uh rupa asked hey what do you think the next movie is that's directed by a woman this would be like the closest one to it because it's Mm co-directed uh by marguerite von troda and because it's a long ways till fat girl so (laughs) i think you're kind of a long ways till fat girl if you know what i mean sure pal sure (laughs) does that make sense oh keep going (laughs) so i went into this movie like uh well we'll see what it is and immediately i'm like whoa this movie feels so contemporary. 
Mm-hmm. Like this, this feels like the kind of movie that I would watch on a regular basis. Like, or the, mm-hmm. I would like the type of movie that I would watch this like 1970s kind of taut thriller kind of thing about what kind of thriller taught okay a a little wound and about uh police abuse and Mm -hmm. uh people like being pushed to the edge and uh Mm -hmm. but like not in this like absolutely cartoonish way and i was kind of like whoa this movie is definitely my shit it's I don't you start this whole thing over say all those things again but change the words you taught, use taught uh-huh <laughs> okay so, so this nice. movie uh it starts off with uh one of my boys Jorgen Procknow Doss Boot Ooh, Sutter Kane one, uh one of the stars of uh I believe it's House of the Dead <laughs> one, well, one of he's... those uh Uwe Boll films uh, it's always a pleasure mm-hmm. when I see uh, Jorgen pop up, and he's just right there, and there's something happening. He's being followed. He's being shadowed around here in West Germany, a place that we were always mm-hmm. told was the good Germany after <gasps> World War II. Uh, not that questionable possession Germany that's like mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth and is all messed up, real mm-hmm. schizophrenic, a, a, a place divided, and people are acting like, who am I, you know? You know? Who are they? Who are they? So... Mm-hmm. This movie uh, then proceeds to like this party. People are having a good time, uh, and again, like the the way this movie shot is just like, huh? It feels like a long time since I've seen a movie feel this contemporary. It feels like we've just been watching a, like even like Fear and Loathing, like the other uh, few weeks ago, just felt like uh, I don't know, felt like a 1998 movie, but it's also mm-hmm. very Terry Gilliam. This though felt a little bit more timeless in the right kind of way. Yes. Uh, and we kind of get this meetup between uh, Jorgen and uh, the the character of Katharina Bloom, played by uh, Angela, Angela Winkler. That was close. You and almost they, didn't get it. Oh, I got it, though. I, got, uh-huh. I, was, I was right there. And uh, I don't know. They immediately have, like, chemistry, RJ. I feel like these people, like, really, like, were, like, they, they, they like, seemed like they really knew each other. But then it's like, no, they just mm-hmm. met. And you're like, Wow this is nice. And then they, they hook up and there's all these comments. Mm-hmm. How like, she's like a real nun. She's real. Like, doesn't like want to meet men. She's a uh, kind of a prude and doesn't party. And then, and then she does. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but there's all this, like there's a circumstances going around. There's a guy dressed like a chic and uh, he's obviously making some phone call. He's making some sort of phone calls or contacts and a radio about uh, making contact and following this guy. You're like, mm-hmm. what's going on? What's this espionage? What was him on that boat all about? And uh, soon enough, this uh, young uh, Katharina Blum, she finds herself in her apartment house flat. And there's a police raid as men in uh, like, <laughs> what are we, like the welder masks <laughs> show up. Uh, yeah, like they're kind cl- of cloth welder masks, like Kevlar dressed welder masks. They're like masks. balaclava, like yeah. things where it's just like just eyes mm-hmm. kind of. And, uh, yeah, they're it's pretty like, spooky. It's like, it reminded me of the, uh, mask of Vulcan from the old, uh, Hercules cartoon. That's like, that's a, that's a tough, that's a deep pole there, man. Very deep, but it kind of look it up. So mask. Of and Vulcan. then they, they show up and they, so begins the dehumanization of Katharina Bloom. As uh-huh. her life falls under the microscope of the the free democracy of uh, the West German police force in mm-hmm. their pursuit of terrorists, 
so there's this weird kind of tie-in with uh, the recent remake of Suspiria, which also depicts this <laughs> period of time, yeah. the mid-70s West Germany with, uh, what's the name of this uh, this terrorist outfit? The, uh, not build, it's like Bod... Oh, it's like the Red Army, isn't it? Like Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball style. <laughs> like Dragon Ball style. It kind of isn't it? Or no, wait, that's the real one that uh, yeah, yeah, Yui yeah. Bowl Red, Red Army. On. Yeah, it's like not the, Yui there, Bowl. There's like the actual German name of it, but yeah, it's like the Red Army yeah. faction. And uh, Henrik Bowl. Yeah. So there's like they're robbing banks and mm-hmm. uh, taking this money to fund the buying of guns so they can take back the capital and make a statement, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the police, they're not big fans of that. And they like to, you know, overreach and overstep their bounds. And um, it seems mm-hmm. like in this film, they're uh, probably in real life, they're uh, also working hand in hand with the uh, friendly tabloid newspapers, the press, the paper, uh, as it's called mm-hmm. here. There's a guy, Werner Totges, uh, wearing his very flamboyant uh, bow tied outfit with his big mm-hmm. pompadour hair being a real scumbag uh, journalist type, just like intro- doing interviews and then completely just changing the words of what they say and just writes whatever he wants because there's no apparent uh, checks or balances in that regard. You can just make up shit and there's yeah. no real legal recourse because the word's out and uh, you're slammed. They take photos of you. It's very like, I mean, we've kind of been here before. We kind of know how uh, the tool of the, the Fifth Estate works how it's going to, how it works and it's going to dismantle you and tell lies. And there's really not much you can do. And you just kind of have to weather the storm. Everyone's telling Katharina that she has to basically deal with it. Um, because of this, like, like one off, uh, affair with this guy that she just met. No one can Mm -hmm. believe that they just met. She must be a terrorist too. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, but she's also kind of covering with the fact that she's been having an affair with a, uh, rich married guy. Who doesn't want the truth out there? Um, so she's like trying to do the right thing by him by also like debasing herself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole, it's a whole nightmare of uh, humanity <laughs> on display. So her her honor is lost, RJ. <laughs> I I understand. There's lots of things that you were uh, commenting on there about, you know, the tabloids just baseless claims and. And then this nightmare of humanity, it all equates to modern day podcasting, if you ask me. Absolutely. What we do is completely baseless. Yeah. But that's the point, right? Yeah, Katarina Bloom, man. Yeah. So a lot of this movie is just uh, depicting her treatment by the police and how the police operate, how they interview um, the lead kind of asshole cop. It's played by oh, uh, that a fellow, guy's so good. Mario Adorf. Okay, RJ. Mm-hmm. I've been telling you now for a while, you got to watch a movie called Caliber 9. It's an Italian movie. He's what do you in... mean you've been telling me I've for been a telling while? You. I've been telling you for a while. Caliber 9, he's in that, and he's awesome. This guy, the movies that I've seen with him, mm-hmm. she's even in uh, Sam Peckinpah's Major Dundee. This is uh, allegedly on my watch list already. Yeah, see? This Caliber uh, 9. Uh, yeah, uh, he's in Future Creep, The Tin Drum, also directed by Volker Schlondorf. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, he's great. It, he plays, he's like uh, Alfred Molina-ish. I, okay, it is actually, it's kind of mind-blowing that you said that. Yeah. Not, it's, it's not, not mine, that it's weird. not, because he, it's accurate. He, he looks exactly like fucking Alfred Molina. Mm-hmm. Like, Exactly. There was a ton of people in this movie where I was like, well, that's Alfred Molina. And then like the reporter, you like, I can't fucking remember who it is now. 
But yeah, the cop, the whole time watching it, I was like, that's Alfred Molina. <laughs> that's exactly who that is. It's funny that you say that too. It's almost like you and me have a similar opinions or, on or, stuff. Or this guy looks a lot like Alfred. This Molina. guy looks exactly like Alfred. <laughs> like, this he, is like because usually does. this is RJ's territory of like this person <laughs> looks exactly like blank. No, I'm I'm getting there first because this person yep. like he does. I had the note there too. So yeah, you uh, you were right to jump onto it, or else I would have claimed that as uh, one of my own. He yeah. does. He looks exactly like Alfred Molina. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I was really impressed with this movie, not wanting to go mm-hmm. too much deeper into the ins and outs of it yet, but uh, yeah, this movie is like, so my thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if the ending works. Uh, okay, but, interesting. Um, I, it's, it kind of goes like where it inevitably goes, but then the, it has this epilogue that almost is unnecessary, but the final beat of the movie is really like, yep, that's pretty well how it plays out. So yeah, because uh, the, the author of the novel this is based on uh heinrich boll ue boll uh, yeah don't be confused with ue uh mm-hmm. he won that Nobel prize for the for what for literature uh yeah for literature 1972 okay. i'm not sure if he actually won it for this book but he's won one in the past nice and, good for uh, him it sounded like he was addressing his own uh issues with the media and uh, mm. so he had a, a bone to pick. Yeah. So yeah, the, the name was coming up, the Red Faction thing. It was, uh, it's the Bader Meinhof gang. That's uh, the actual, like, that's what they call them in Suspiria uh, 20, mm. 2017 or whatever. But so yeah, it, it ties into that. And Lost Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom is a much better movie and uh, a more appropriate place mm-hmm. to maybe talk about those things than your remake of uh, Argento Suspiria. Anyway, mm-hmm. RJ, I'm going to hand it off to you because I'm curious what you think about The Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom. I, uh, I, I think I always deflect on you and i'm like well why what do you think about what i think about this movie because i think we both uh went in on this movie maybe like expecting the worst uh i i wasn't really expecting anything but like last week when you were like the lost honor of katarina bloom i was like oh oh my god I was like, whoa, what a, what a, what a terrific sounding movie. We were so enthusiastic. So in the, uh, in the preamble, uh, friend of the show, Justin Peterson was talking about, he's like, it's nice that you guys go in the spine order because you sometimes cover movies that like you would never cover otherwise. And I, I kind of hope that there are, I want two things of our fans to do because it's too tasking for us now to do, make two lists on Letterboxd. Uh, lists of movie criterion creep movies that have American remakes, such as this movie, which we'll get to. And then lists of uh, movies that have absolutely no recognition to us. And then we watch them and then we both really, really enjoy them. Uh, so I really like this movie, Jared. Nice. Like a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was watching it. And uh, I I was going to watch it with Andrea and I told her what it was about. And she's like, oh, that sounds good. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. I was like, oh, it's German, by the way. Uh-oh. And she's like, oh, because it was like kind of late. And she's like, well, she's like, if it was earlier, I'd watch it. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I know. I was like, I'll, I'll check it out. And I, I've mentioned this before. Like, I find I always hit the wrong note with Andrea because it's like, Things that sound like they'll appeal to her will watch and then it'll be like a real bummer. And then things that it's like, "Ah, I don't know what it'll be like because it's completely unknown to you and me. And then I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh, fuck. I'll be like, that was a good, good ass movie. Yeah. This movie like, so 
to throw out there to people. This movie kind of reminds me, and RJ, you haven't watched, I don't think, any Costa Gavras movies. The guy who's directed like movies like, the, like We will, because I think all his like four big movies are all in the collection. Uh, Z, Missing, Stage of, uh, State of Siege, and The Confession. This movie fits very comfortably in this uh, period of time of uh, like this like seventies filmmaking of these mm-hmm. like kind of grittier kind of like, like kind of political thrillers, I guess. And this is more of like a drama, but it has like the trappings of a political thriller. Like it feels right. like that. And uh, as uh, was asked earlier in an email about, Hey, what have you seen day of the Jackal? That movie fits into this, this world that I love. And this movie for whatever reason doesn't get brought up in that context and it absolutely fits into it. And it's like Mm -hmm. the, whatever aesthetic this movie fits into is my thing. I love these types of movies. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, so the only reason I kind of like went into all that was to just kind of show that it, uh, it does pay off for every horse's mouth and, um, (laughs) variety lights there, uh, for every five of the movies that people just don't give a shit about the Pepe Lamocos, once in a while you do find a Lost Honor, Katarina Bloom. So uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I was watching it, and I, when I finished, I, I just ran upstairs to talk to Andrea. I texted her like she was upstairs and I was downstairs and we're fat, lazy people. And I was just texting her. I was like, this movie is really good. Uh, but like once I was done, I went upstairs. And I was like, man, I was like, that was a good show. I was like, I think you would have really liked it. But I was like, I know you would have also have been really ups- like upset or annoyed or frustrated with it because I was like, it's too real, man. Mm-hmm. It's way too, it's, it's too real. Uh, so I, re- I really like this movie for many reasons. Um, <laughs> uh, just to go off of the start, I can't even remember. I wrote down killer song. I don't even remember what it was, but when they're at that party, there's oh. a song playing and I should have, it's too late now. Never mind. Scrap all that. I can't listen to it. Uh, but this movie, I think, has like a really nice cold open where it's following uh, Sutter Kane around. And it's like it's it almost like starts to play out like a police report where it's just like the pictures. And then it's like it's like Tuesday, the 7th mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. And you're just like, what is this? Like a episode of SVU. And it's it's like playing out like that. And you don't really know what's happening. But uh, it, it like. It, do, it, it doesn't give you any exposition, but it's not hard to follow at all. Like they do a really good job of showing you what's happening. It's like, yeah, these two people meet at a party and they have like an attraction to each other and then they, they leave together. And it's like, that's not that crazy. You know, that happens a lot mm-hmm. in the world. So it's like, all right, that's pretty cool. And then you see the, uh, Next, you get the raid on the apartment Mm -hmm. and you see like right from there, you get the mistreatment of uh, Katarina Bloom where like they break into her house. She's having breakfast and uh, the guy's like, so so what did you do? Did you fuck that guy? Mm -hmm. And she's just like, I wouldn't use that word. I wouldn't use that word. And see, that wasn't one of my uh, edits to the script. That's the actual word. But they're like going through her shit. And one of the cops comes up to her and he's just like, look at you flaunting around <laughs> in your uh, in your wardrobe. It was, uh, it, was, it was the D.A. actually. Yeah, the D.A. And she's just like, I'm at, I'm at home. She's like, you guys broke into my house. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it really like this movie. So the first example of this is in that scene. Uh, but I think the movie itself does it really good where they set up all these really subtle uh, examples of 
of the like the ignorance and the incompetence of all of the people involved in like the the shaming of Katarina Bloom. So like in the incompetence aspect, they're like raiding the house, and then at one point, one of those guys' guns just goes off, like it just discharges, he squeezes his finger. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he's like, "Ooh, whoops, my bad, guys." You know? uh, so you get that. Uh, and you're just like, oh, baby. Uh, and then one of the other ones that I think is just like, I think it it's, it sums up this whole movie like perfectly is in the interrogation scene when the cop is just fucking screaming at her. And he's just like, he's like, you're a two-bit whore. You always have been. Look at you. Look at you. And he like, it's not those words, but it's basically, that's what he's saying. He's just like, tell us what's really going on. And he's just like yelling at her, berating her. And she's just like, I don't know what to tell you, man. She's like, I just met this guy. Like, there's nothing else there. Uh, and he, the, the cop gets like frustrated and he's like, ah, whatever. He's like, you take over. And he like starts to walk away and he passes a guy and he smacks, he like flicks him in the balls as he passes him. <laughs> well, he that, like baits him. That's the guy that he's like picking on the whole time. I, I know, but like, because well, there's like the bit where it's like, what's the bit uh, where he's like asking, him like, well, what do you think about the situation? And he's like, well, if it was me, I would call. I mean, if I knew that yeah. someone I was with was a part of this, I, I mean, I would go to the cops. But I don't think an average person would because they're not cops. And he's like, that's that's you know what? That's uh, I don't know how you're gonna make it in this life because uh, you're not a a cop wouldn't think that. And it's you're like, like anyone who thinks like that shouldn't be a, a yeah. cop, which is like, oh, my God. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're, the, you're part of the problem, you fictional character. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. It's like it's it's like I was what I said to Andrea. I was like, it's too real. Like there's too many. I all those people exist. And I, I just thought that that little really subtle thing that's like so like missable where it's just him walking by a guy and just like like begging another guy as he walks by. I was like, that sums up this whole movie where it's like, he's, he's really working at a comic book store. Yeah. At a comic book store, like Jared style walking around begging people. But like the, there's like this, uh, this like miss this like thing about like how serious the situation is. But as soon as he like turns away from it, he's just like, Oh, and he's like kind of a dude again. Do you know what I mean? He's like, Mm -hmm. bro, so I thought that was really funny. Uh, going back a, se- a second, I didn't want to miss this. Uh, when they, uh, one of the other first acts of dehumanization to Katarina Bloom is when they make her dress naked in the bathroom, and that lady looks into her butt. She's like, "I gotta watch it," and then she looks into her butt and she says something, like, uh, "Oh, it's too bad." She's like, "You're actually a pretty nice girl or a pretty good looking girl." It's like, "Too bad you did this," and she's like, "What?" <laughs> What? So I think this movie, like the biggest thing of this, it's like, it's not even like victim blaming because she's not really, well, I guess she's a victim of like circumstance where just because of like not even a known associate, just some guy that she met turns out to be this guy. She becomes a victim to that, like out of association. So it's like victim blaming in that sense where everyone's just begging on her. And it, it's so like, I think where this movie really succeeds is the amount that they pile on and pile on. It's like completely overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I think it's, it's totally believable. Like it's, it's never to the point where you're like, that's a little much 
or anything like that. Like it didn't seem like that to me at least where, uh, where like the papers and the cops are, I, I never felt like they were to the point where they were overdoing it past believability. Like, um, uh, like where it was believable. I was like, yeah, I think this is stuff that happens all the time. The, in both the, of the, the abuse of both power. Of <laughs> yeah. The abuse of power in both of these. It's like, I, I really think that's something that happens all the time in both of these rights. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it never gets past the point of like believability for me. And I think the, the whole movie it's, it's really tense. And I think it, they really like make a case for her where, um, so you were talking about the ending and stuff like that. And, uh, I actually, I actually really like the ending because I think it is, I think it like, it's not like a belief, I wouldn't say believable in that sense, but I think it's justified where there's all these things happening. And I think in this one specifically, they really show why she would kind of the amount of shit shoveled on her, like with all the letters and phone calls she gets and stuff like that. Like immediately it's just like, it's like, are you horny? Like slid under the door. And it's it's like, yeah, I'm sure it's like, I'm hardcore pornography postcards. (laughs) Just uh, as an experiment, go on Twitter, make your uh, profile pic oh, a, 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 a woman, and just see what happens. Oh, God. I think the one bit, too, where it's like kind of like where everything's kind of wrapped up up to that point, and there's like the one guy, her like uncle, who's like, oh, well, I mean, they kind of buried everybody. They didn't bury me, though, but it's probably because I'm an ex-Nazi. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Like, because, yeah, these people, like probably everyone in this movie, they were alive during World War II. Because it's 1975, and it's like, oh, I mean, the youngest person here would be, like, 30 if they were born in 1945. And it's like, oh, all of these people are older than that. It's like, these are the people who didn't get killed during the war. So they were around for some shit, and they saw some stuff, even even Mm -hmm. if they were 10 years old or 20 years old at the time. You're like, oh, they have a real uh, different worldview. And uh, this guy's like, oh, yeah, he used to be a Nazi. Or and he's like, ha, ha. he's like, well, of course they wouldn't attack him. I mean, he had a, he was a good military man, the right wing newspaper. Yep. And you're like, yeah, that's uh, oh, that that little that moment I thought ball. was like real like strange. Because like it also explained why that guy was the way he was. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. Because I mean, the guy's <laughs> completely talking to me. He's like, wow, it's not. You just suck it up. It's not a thing. What, what are, what's everyone so worked up about? Well, when they go into like they take her home to her apartment and it's like totally trashed and he's like he's like I don't really see an issue here. He's like it seems fine to me and you're like oh you're like what's this guy's deal? Is he intentionally uh, like obtuse or ignorant or like what's going on? He's what we call a good German, RJ. Oh, a nice good German's like all is fine. Yeah, no problem. I've seen I've seen worse. I've seen worse. So. Yeah, like I think so. That's what I. My whole point, I guess, was that's what I think. I think this the film. Yeah, talk gets that, uh, in, interrogating uh, the dying old woman, <laughs> and just oh, why, 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 why? just slapping the newspaper on her. Don't worry about it, baby. We're gonna take a nice little picture. It's like so. You would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, so like I think, um, even more than the police. Like the police are pretty despicable even like i think another reason why it's what they do is so good is even the cop who seems like kind of a good guy he's sleazy too because he's like following her around and he's like kind of has a crush on her and he doesn't ever do anything bad Mm. but at the same time it's like 
is what he's doing is it because he's actually concerned about her or is it just because he's like hey check me out uh and the only reason i say that is because there's always the turn with the characters in this movie where like the reporter he's like i knew you'd come around hey do you want to have a quick real uh quick little romp nah okay whatever we'll, we'll keep go move past that and like stuff like that pops up so frequently where it's just like it's like guys that are just like is there an opening here yeah no no oh, okay well whatever it's like if there is let me know and i'll uh, I'll, I'll take advantage of that but if not well, no big deal how about that uh prison cell toilet am i right Whew, i think someone was sick i think someone was sick i think someone was sick i was pretty like shocked that her first r- response in there was to clean that toilet i was like don't touch that lady hey. but then I, but then i realized she was in there for like hours Mm-hmm. Be- because like uh, I thought they were just gonna pop her in there for a minute, but that guy Alfred Molina was so pissed off. He's like, let her, let her sweat it out, let her sweat it out. Can she go home? Well, I mean, why would she if she didn't do anything wrong? Mm-hmm. Why would she go home? Uh, there was one thing too that I thought was like such a oh man, like uh, this movie really riled up my uh, like fucking feminist my, my, agenda? No, my fucking pigs mindset that i think everyone yeah. gets to like whenever you know if you get pulled over for speeding you're just like <laughs> fucking coughs man there's it's like fucking eat stuff in their face full of donuts and then you're like uh and then other times when they're like busting pieces of shit you're like oh man that job sucks i need to be a cop i mm-hmm. I, I swing it doesn't it depends on what i'm watching i'm very easily manipulated well, that's that's the idea, right? Yeah. I think the one that like really stuck out to me, like, so it was what I was saying. I think the media is a lot more despicable than the cops, and uh, I think it's a lot like super accurate for both of them. But the one thing with the police that uh, stuck out with me was there's a line here where they're like talking to her, and they're basically like they're leading her. It's like this is why. It's like obviously you wouldn't do this or this or that because you're. You're not like some kind of whore, right? <laughs> and uh, and then they're talking about it like, well, if if there's a reason for this or that, and then uh, the quote is, as an adult, you should understand that. And it's just like such a like a petty like condescending thing to say to someone. It's like, well, as an adult, of course you wouldn't do that, yeah. would you? Would you, Jared? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're always, it's like, what do you call Begging the question. Legal. Begging, yeah. Oh, well, right. well, you're not a bad person, right? I mean, obviously, if, if you were a bad person, you would think otherwise. So, but you're a good person. Well, there's there's like ways to do that too. Like, and it's not a, it's not even a secret or anything like that. But a lot of psychology studies, like things that I looked at were um, showing where it's just like, yeah, you can, it's, it's like you can pretty much get whatever answer you want based on how you phrase phrase it it's like whatever you want to have said you can you can make that happen no in like a series of questions yeah and then there's like kind of like the overarching uh art the the theme i guess or not maybe themes the wrong wrong word for it but sort of that arc of you know the system that we use or we've have in place Mm -hmm. to like prevent these things from happening are the Mm -hmm. things that also drive people toward the very things we're trying to prevent there's that yeah. irony, obviously, I guess, in the movie. How it all pays off with her uh, spoilers gunning down the man who's mm-hmm. uh, been aiding and ruining her life and making her life hard. Yep. And so, uh, and that's okay. 
But yeah, I, I could. Def- I've seen like uh, even like when the movie was released, some people thought that the ending was too pat and kind of like this is like this is like a revenge fantasy for Heinrich Boll, the author, mm-hmm. and it kind of like doesn't really jive with reality. It does. It kind of d- goes against how the whole movie has kind of been like setting up this whole grim premise, and there mm-hmm. might have been a different way, but part of it was to get to that moment. But, so, but then I love, I, but I yeah. love the ending though because it shows like mm-hmm. what happens when you do that. The 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 enemy, like, because I think it's like the the guy who gives that speech at the end. I'm not sure if he's the police chief, or oppression he, of freedom, or, oppressed, or, or, or he's like I think he's the editor of the paper, yeah. and he just like he's able to like just manipulate it all and turn it into like oh this is like the enemy of the press. We can we should be able to say whatever we want, and they, they they're everyone's able to weaponize others' mm-hmm. actions at all times, and it's, that's like why like one of the worst things like violence can be. Like it feels good in the moment, but at the same time, it's the worst thing because it can always be turned against you. And I think life shows over and over again that that's what happens. Like it has the mm-hmm. opposite effect: uh, violence as a kind of a solution. Is it? Yes. Yeah, usually, the opposite happens, and then sometimes it, yeah. it sometimes it doesn't, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure, man. Like, and that's kind of the um the thing too, where uh, I could see the ending going either way. When I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is totally wish fulfillment for the guy writing it. But I kind of like that. I was like, yeah, it's like, you know what? If I sometimes when you get shit on and shit on and shit on, you're like, I really wish I could fucking do this. Like, and then it's like, like death wish. Exactly. And this is like this guy's like way to kind of vent it. Like, I think I think it actually fits with the movie where all the movie is so believable and so accurate in like in my mind that it's like yeah you know what he he like hits all of these right points and it's just like you know what let's see let's see it just actually happen mm-hmm. just do it and then it's like what you said i think it's even more effective uh or like successful because right after it happens then you get that big speech where it's just like this is exactly the kind of thing you'd expect from a communist, mm-hmm. and it's like it shows, the, the, it shows the real danger we're all in. The media has to be protected at all means, mm-hmm. and it's like he's, yeah, yeah. And and they hammer or like he hits on it the whole movie too, where even like the normal paper, it's just like they're talking about it's like uh, why she would like go with that guy, and it's like the ex husband. It's like well, I could never have a Porsche. It's like our modest livings aren't good enough, and it's like these are exactly the ideals that come with like socialism or something. And you're just like, what? <laughs> you didn't say any of those things, but yeah. Uh, but it sticks out with you. I don't know if you, yellow yeah. journalism, as uh, the articles would say, tabloids, <laughs> the papers. So I don't know if you know this, Jared, but uh, I did a little research. Uh, as no, I've been not known to do, uh, no, not research. Actually, I just um. When I was reading into this movie, I did read about like the guy who wrote this because I really liked it. So I wrote, mm-hmm. read about like that guy, and then the book itself, and then I stumbled across a little review from uh, a Mr. Roger. Yes, Ebert. I yeah. And uh, he was not a fan of the ending, and he's just like the movie's pretty good until she kills that guy, and uh, I just didn't think it was very good from there on. That's not how Ebert sounded, but uh, you know. And I was just like, man, Ebert, you're such a fucking nerd. Like, <laughs> get over it, dude. He, I, I think he's over it now. Well. He's I over everything. If he comes back and he's just like, hmm. you know what, though? Ooh. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Roger would have changed his mind if he had seen Act of Passion, a.k.a. <sighs> the lost honor of Catherine Beck. 
So I didn't even realize that this thing had two names until that I till today, two days after I watched the movie, when I was trying to find pictures of these movies, and I saw it was like act of passion, and then it just in the brackets like lost the honor of Catherine Beck. And I was like, wait a minute. It's like, is this thing actually called Act of Passion? It's like, that's weird. Tell me about Act of Passion, Jared. Tell me about why you watched that movie. Well, I watched it because you watched it, and uh, you had such high praise for it. I was like, well, I mean, if R.J. Balog likes this movie so much, maybe mm-hmm. maybe I should check it out too. And it was mm-hmm. on YouTube. It's only an hour yes, and a half. It and uh, it stars... Whistler himself of Blade, Whistler. <laughs> uh, Chris Christopherson, and mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of other people you've seen in other movies. Uh, but this is in TV movie land, yes. and it feels exactly like every, like what you could imagine is a CBS TV movie. Yep. It has all the appeal of an episode of Matlock or Columbo. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. has none of those, none of the star power of an Andy Griffith or a Peter Falk. What's well, got Chris Christopherson? Who's barely in this? Whistler from Blade. Yeah. Is he still alive? Chris Christopherson? Yeah. I think he's still, still trucking. Okay. You can confirm that. Uh, so okay. this this is pretty well the exact same story, and I was actually amazed. I did not think that this would end with uh, Catherine Beck killing. The uh, tabloidsmen. <laughs> I, I was thinking that they would like do some pat uh, TV kind of twist for American audiences who couldn't handle uh, a woman taking back the night against yellow journalism. But uh, no, they they actually did it with the, with what's his name, blonde haired heel guy who always shows up in movies as a smarmy asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this movie is the shits. It is. It will. Oh, it you is don't a, say. It is a real demonstration of how good of a movie Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom is. Yep. Like, just like actual good filmmaking, mm-hmm. actors, cinematography, everything. It's like, this is, a, this is a real movie by like filmmakers. And then there's Act of Passion, which is just like, this is hokum. Like the scene of like, uh, our Catherine Beck smashing plates in her uh, kitchen, <laughs> which is like, so like hammy and mm-hmm. uh, like every garbage, like, a very special uh, presentation on CBS kind of thing where mm-hmm. it's like, there's no framing. It's just, she's does things and then she acts and then the scene ends. Uh, the first 20 minutes are accomplished in the first 10 minutes of the, uh, the feature film, which is something because yep. it's like, you'd think it'd be the other way around. It'd mm-hmm. be like a lot more um, tight, but no, no, we got to take advantage of all the Chris Christopherson that we can get because that's about all he does in this movie. He uh, shows up. He makes a little love. You, you get to see him like pull up the blanket and bring her her body <laughs> in underneath him. Oh boy! Well, it's an act. That's the act of passion, Jarrett. Truly, that is the act of passion. Um, God, then like the police <laughs> interrogation is just so mm-hmm. flat and long. And I like, got the key right it's here. Also, and you also get like this presentation of like the, the 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 law enforcement stuff. It feels very American and kind of like the police mm-hmm. aren't that bad. Because it's not like, it's like they had whereas, every right to do at that. At least we're in like, yeah, you get like 
the feeling in the lost honor of Katharina Blum. It's like, no, the cops are like doing a little bit of extra dickery here. They're going above and beyond. They're, uh, they're exploiting the loopholes because they know that no one's looking and you have to like go through a lot of, uh, bullshit to like work through that crap. Like when her aunt comes by and starts yelling at them and accosting them for being abusive, they just start turning it around on her and she's just like flabbergasted. Like she's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to respond. I don't talk this language because these guys do it all day long. They know how to walk all the day, walk baby. all day. And she's just like, oh my God, like I have no chance. Like I'm so mad. Now I'm like confused because everyone's just telling me that I'm wrong. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is what the law is. And it's like, it's about keeping itself propped up. Yep. And I didn't get any of these feelings or vibes from this, this movie, which is just very nicely packaged saying, well, you're in America. You could just walk right out of here. <laughs> it's just like, yep. And <laughs> this scene after scene, like I like to talk to my client and it's just like here's another scene of her in a room with a bunch of people standing around it lacks oomph rj this 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 thing everything is just a little more clunky and uh poorly done in every way and in fact it's actually a great example of like people should do a compare and contrast because i think you will learn a lot about how to become a better filmmaker by doing this sort of thing oh yeah so maybe that's the only value is to see like failure i guess yeah, definitely. Uh, Catherine Beck sucks, man. Uh, I think you oversold my uh, interpretation of this movie. Uh, you said, should I watch Act of Passion? And I was like, well, it depends. Do you want to watch a bad movie? But then again, it is on YouTube available for you. So mm-hmm. you might as well. Uh, in my review, I was talking about how if like Catherine Bloom is this just like ice cold, like tall drink of drink a soda act of passion is like the water soda act of passion is like the the melted ice watered down version and that's what it feels like it's this is backwash it's just backwash yeah like there's so much of it that's it's so like all of the good bits are so watered down and then there's they just take out so much where again it's just like we got the guys making it were probably like, we got the broad strokes. We know what's going on here. But they lose like all of those subtle elements that actually made Katarina Bloom a good show. And then they add shit that it's just like, that's never what this what the story needed. Like the opening to the TV movie is showing Christ- Christopherson actually robbing a bank or something. Or like like thinking about doing it and it's like that's not what this movie needs like i i think katarina bloom is way better for not showing that for ambiguity yeah for ambiguity because you're kind of just like wait a minute if they were doing this to her they're like maybe that guy didn't actually do anything maybe everyone who's ever accused in newspapers of things are maybe not guilty maybe or not maybe we shouldn't just jump to conclusions jump to conclusions board so, yeah, it's like it, it's just stuff like that. And I don't know. Everything just seems so um, washed out where the whole the whole thing with the like every scene, you're kind of like, especially after you just watch Katarina Bloom, you're like, I just watched this, but better. Yeah. And this is a bad version of this. Yeah. This And like this whole thing, it's like this is incels the movie. But the bad, but the bad version incels. <laughs> well, the Catherine Bloom is kind of incels the movie. What? Do you know what I mean? No, Jared. What? You know what I'm talking about? I really don't. I, you've lost me now. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But at the same time, though, Kat- Katarina Bloom was a uh, 
surprise banger. Mm-hmm. Hey, RJ, you want to hear about people who hated Katharina Blum? Not really, because I feel like their issues will will be bad Ooh, issues. Oh, boy, here we go. First, okay. the, the half-star review from Oof. Momster. Okay. A flailing torture porno of the soul. Give me strength. I'm reminded of Mother and the director's <laughs> shared seemingly unending desire to see the lead actress suffer because I am making a point trademark focus fucking focus a word that is not in this film's vocabulary halfway in it's still not done introducing new horribly uninteresting characters no one is engaging no one is likable and everyone's miserable i think this is supposed to replace actual character traits but fuck if it doesn't fall on its face never ever watch this okay um so they monster, right, right, right off the bat, they're like, I don't like mother. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, and I think they're they're equating the wrong things there. They're like, well, they're just trying to make this woman feel bad. And it's like, that's not really what they're doing. I think Momster's got some questionable opinions, Jarrett. Momster does? Yeah, questionable so ma- uh, mother has a half a star yep. as you could have guessed uh showgirls has a half a star what women want has a half a star that's a great movie i don't give a shit what anyone says uh 500 days of summer has a half a star but i think the telling things here is when you go to five star films Jared, five star films shape of water avengers infinity war the 2019 remake of Pet Cemetery, five stars, Jared. Oh man, five stars. There's other things like three billboards and like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and shit like that. And it's like, who gives a shit? But yeah, that Pet Cemetery movie, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> that is not a five star film. That is barely a two star movie. Yeah, I think I gave it two and a half, but that's because it's on the tops, the Stephen King scale. Yeah, at tops. So, uh, yeah, Momster's got some opinions. Opinions. Next up, Ren of Stimpy fame. Oh, One yeah. star. This could have been a 30-minute short, and yet it was a full hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> I, I, always, I always like when people are saying that. And I know I've said that before, too. Where it's like, this long movie could have been a short movie. And it's like, uh, okay. It's like that short movie could have been a long movie. Like, what's the point here? Mm-hmm. And it, I, I know I've said that, too. So Tell me about I'm, Ren. Ren's got opinions. Uh, favorite movies include Baby Driver. Yep. Uh, they don't actually have a ton of movies logged. Uh, but five-star films include Baby Driver, Hereditary, The Sinner with Catherine, uh, Jessica Biel. I don't think that's a, a movie. I'm pretty sure that's a TV show. <laughs> Why is that on Letterboxd? Uh, but yeah, they, they don't have like a lot of half-star reviews or anything uh, like that or one-stars. Damn. They, they've only seen a couple. Oh, Mother, one and a half stars. So that's mm. our theme for tonight. Nice. Well, we'll see if we'll uh, get a hat trick here. Alex, two stars. Okay. While the film presented interesting ideas about Marxism and journalism, the film doesn't live up to it. 
I was mostly bored for a majority of this film. The story isn't very engaging, with many scenes being too long or unnecessary, and the cast outside of Catherine Blum isn't allowed any or much character development. The epilogue of the movie is just is to just solidify the point that the movie was making the whole time and added nothing to the film. The score is barely used, and when it's used, it sounds really bad. I missed my bus because of this movie as well, so fuck it for that reason as well. It's not the movie's fault that you missed your bus. That's you not fucking planning your time out. Time management skills, baby. Figure it out. Okay, I haven't found Mother on here. But uh, one thing I have found, Jared, is that all three of these people who disliked Katarina Bloom all gave Peeping Tom a bad review. Hmm. Peeping Tom, which is like kind of weird. Kind of weird, right? Jared? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this person's got, I mean, their five star films include Fight Club. Yep. <laughs> RJ, how many, yes. this, what's unfortunate is I think a lot of people who are going mm-hmm. through this uh, creep cruise, they're going to be yeah. like, they're going to skip over this Lost Honor, Katharina Bloom, because they have no idea what it is. And they're just like, yeah, I've, I've got other movies I want to see. And they won't watch this. That's too bad. And uh, I'm telling you, hey, folks, it's on the Criterion channel. It's at your fingertips. You know, you're, you're on right that channel. There. You can watch it. It's good. It's a good show, as RJ would say. It's a, it's a good show for the kids. For the, for the kids. The kids love it. For the kids. Good show for the kids. No, it's like yeah. this, this reminds me of like a, you know, like a William Freakin movie, if you like that type of thing, that type of deal. Mm-hmm. A prestige format film, Jared? Is that what you're talking about here? Yeah, dog. Yeah? Sure. It's really good. It, it's it's really good. I uh, I was surprised at how much I actually like this. It's uh, a high quality film, Jared. Came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. I like this pod. And like Jared, actually. Always coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Just as you're going to bed. Ooh. After the break. Uh, I stop. I've uh, I'm interviewing RJ. Come on, get it out. I destroy his life. And he fills me up with lead. And then? And then he goes to jail. And then? Well, you know, you you meet your lover and you try to like hug and feel it out and it doesn't end great. And then uh, we're told by another podcast how podcasters need more power. Well, if podcasters understood the the subtleties of Japanese samurai fighting, then maybe they would they would be better. Well, actually. Actually. Ich 
dumping oh you did that to that toilet of course i read about it in the newspapers i do that to it's every all toilet over baby. twitter oh what do you mean we don't have to leave this country which one we're all creep villains mm. what you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com huh. and tell us about creepsville which one do you believe in Creepsville? We've got a Facebook yeah. page. <laughs> We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnwell. Tumblr. Tumblr. Tumblr, Jared. Vine. Ooh, are we on Vine now? Yeah, sure. I had a Vine for a while. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Tumblr? Next week, Spine 178. Oof, my life is a dog. <gasps> what? By Lassie Hallstrom? Is, is, That's is, is, about, is this about Lassie? Is Lassie the director? This movie's That'd from 1985. Really I mean, it could be. If there was a Criterion movie where a dog was a director, I think it's that about, would be it. I think it's about a little kid. Man, that's not as interesting. I, I found this DVD at a thrift store for $2. The Criterion edition as well. Which thrift store? It was like Christian ones. They didn't know a good thing when they had it. A Christian one, he says. You just alienated a lot of fans, buddy. A lot of fans. I fleeced them good. You gotta be careful, dude. You're in like really sticky, sticky territory. Hail Friend. Satan. Huh? <laughs>